You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives. I'm your host, Michael Cohen, and joining me, as always, is the bead to my foad, Joe Hogan. Jabba Duhat. This is our first episode with our new our new album art. Uh, so if you guys if you guys haven't seen it, it's really good. Go check it out. Yeah, go check out go check out our Instagram or Twitter, uh, anywhere where we've got a profile picture or even in the podcast app. It won't be like the episode art that we've got here, but it will be the uh, the the like the album art for the show, the show art. Um, so depending on what podcast app you're on, it'll it'll appear in different places. But you can go find that, and uh, it is it is Joe and myself as the two heads of a um oh what 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 is, what is it called it i uh, i can't remember the species but fodes in bead i the the podcast pod race announcer okay. podcast announcer pod race announcer um from the phantom menace so it's it's us as the two heads of of that character um yeah you yeah. crushed it man it came out really really good i'm i'm very proud of you you did good work thank you thank you eight eight it just came to me in a flash, um, <laughs> like just just pure inspiration out of the ether, out of nowhere. I uh, and I actually had wanted to like I I commission um, another artist to do it. I I if you if you follow me on Instagram at all, you'll see that I share a lot of her work. It's Dazzling Jedi on Instagram. She is so incredible, such an amazing artist, and I and I wanted her to do it, but she's swamped with school and stuff, so she wasn't able to do it. She but she said to me, she's like, "You should do it. You should do it in like your style. <laughs> It'll work. You should do it." And I was like, "All right, fine." So I did, and uh, yeah, I did. It did turn out pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, yeah, that's I, pretty great. I think that I think the key is that like, like I wanted I, I I dazzling Jedi. She's really good at at likenesses. Like her her Ray and 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 Kylo Ren are are really great likenesses. As is like her Padme and and that sort of thing. She's really good at that. And so I that's kind of what I was thinking was almost like. Um, almost like us photoshopped, but but in more of like a painterly way. Um, but I don't know that she would have had the the um, the guts to go as ugly <laughs> as I did. And uh, I prefer and, it. Yeah, I prefer yeah. It. And I mean, I think it's what it called for, right? So yeah, lean um, into it. But yeah, it we're kind of in. We're kind of in this transition period at Thunderquack right now. We're doing a bunch of stuff. We've got a bunch of stuff on the move, and you guys will hear more about it next month. And if you're listening to the Thunderquack podcast, you'll hear about it soon. But um, one of those things was that, like, Force Perspectives with you and I has kind of, like, morphed into this other thing that I actually hadn't intended for it to be when I started doing it. 
but um but that i am very very happy with and so it really is just you know i our our two heads almost equal one uh when it comes to (laughs) to our takes on star wars so um so i think that was kind of where where that idea came from and uh and i thought it was it was it was about time that like we had a we had some some branding that really reflected what the podcast (laughs) has you know devolved into if we're being honest but it was uh, was very clever you should be very proud i it's it's honestly it came out really good it's probably my favorite coloring from you i've ever seen honestly like, you know okay so uh, really good man really good there's a little bit there's a little bit of a of a methodology behind that one i sourced all of the colors from a page of dark empire nice. um because i because awesome. yeah i wanted it to have its own sort of color palette because i have in in procreate i kind of have these color palettes that i that i sort of rely on and then i tweak them after the fact mm. um but i wanted to start like i had started doing that and it wasn't really working for me um and so i was like i need to like i need to have like a really solid color palette and i immediately thought as we we talked about a, a couple episodes ago talking about comics um the color palettes from from the dark empire books are so so good yeah so i i grabbed a page with sort of the color space that i wanted um and and dropped it into a tool online that would like pull out the hex values and then and then i created a color palette from that and then i just used those color palettes as my base so that's kind of how that that came to be um yeah it 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 did come out it came out really well it 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 captured the vibe that i needed it to capture and i think that's the most important part right <laughs> yeah for sure it definitely got us there so um uh, yeah and, and, and tina was just like that's awesome it looks just <laughs> like so t- you got tina's approval who is not easy to impress with likenesses every time i try to do a likeness she's like i think you gotta you gotta squeeze like she gives it to me straight and she's like yeah no that looks like you it's awesome so yeah yeah um i the I, the key to likeness is that you have to go a little bit caricature with it otherwise it, if you're too soft on it then then people won't pick up on it especially like like with cartooning right like mm. you have to take some stuff some flaws and you have to accentuate them because that's what makes us who we are right like it's mm. it's it's how that works so um yeah like i like i kind of gave myself more like um uh you know like like exaggerated like uh trailer park boys bubbles style glasses like my <laughs> like my pupils are are a bit bigger than yours and i'm mm. my my stare is a little more vacant and then yours is a little bit more um i don't know sleazy <laughs> yeah sleazy yeah that's the right word for it for sure um it's you know what's really funny is that like i finished it I, I did that first pass on it and I sent it over to you and you're like, that's really good. And you sent it to Tina. She was like, that was really good. And then we were continued talking. And I was like, and you were like, like, I don't know if my ears are that big. And I was like, you know what it is? It, like your, your forehead's not big enough. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. comparison I, to your ears. My receding. Um, so I made your head bigger just in general, <laughs> like the whole bulb awesome. of your head. I made bigger the, the, awesome. the top of the skull. And when I did that, I looked back at it and I was like, this is just leisure suit, Larry. Like that's, that's what I drew. I just drew leisure suit, leisure suit, Larry. Um, but I, I, you know, if the shoe fits, I, yeah. 
So I uh, and and then and then I think it was Tim Dipple on the Discord gave you a great compliment. Oh, off dude. Of it. Which is the best compliment I can possibly receive. Yeah, which is that you look like Bankman, you look like Bill Murray, and and you know I've never really like put that together, but you do have a very similar hairstyle, especially when your hair gets a little bit longer and 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 is a little bit more like wild. Um, you you got that you got that Bankman Murray vibe going. So and it it's one of those things that the first time me Tina and Carl ran around Manhattan dressed as Ghostbusters. I got that compliment twice and I mm. loved it. And it's, it's that I never really realized it before. And then I like paid attention to the movie the next time I'd watched it. And his hair is n- every shot is totally different. It just oh, yeah. does not cooperate. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I do look like Bill Murray because my hair never cooperates and it always looks different every four seconds. And the next time we went out uh, more recently, last October, I got the same compliment and I was like, this is amazing. I love this. From now on, I'm only wearing the Bankman name tag because normally I have my Hogan one, yeah. uh, but I also have a Bankman one. So from now on, I'm just re- going running around as Bankman because now this is the third time. No. Okay. So two, twice the first time, twice this most recent time. And now also Tim, Tim, did it, right? Yeah. Tim did yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now five times I've received it. Every time I feel better than the last because clearly there's some consistency going on. That's awesome. That. We're veering into yeah. Thunderquack territory, but just yes. before we, <laughs> we steer, yeah, steer out of the out of the skid. Uh, well, actually, you steer into the skid. By the way, just you know, if you're driving right now and it's treacherous and you are in a skid, you turn into the skid. Don't turn out. Uh, you'll lose control. Anyways, um, so turning into the skid real quickly so that we can get control back. What you need to do is you need to get the orange shirt. You, you oh yeah the, the jacket you mean right yeah the orange jacket yeah, yeah. it's like a it's like a it's a it's a shacket they didn't have that term back then but it kind of is <laughs> um yeah uh yeah you definitely need to do that because i think if you did that and then you just put your arms out to the side and spun around in a circle i think that people like if you were twirling on the streets people would be like holy crap it's a ghostbuster um <laughs> yeah but that's not what we're here to talk about that's what not. go listen to the Thunderquack podcast. Please do go listen to the Thunderquack podcast where more often than not, I think at this point we have talked about Ghostbusters. So I, I, but I, on this episode, we are, um, you know, a couple weeks late, but I, but we are talking about love. We're talking, it's February. It's still February. We're still <laughs> technically in the zone. I think actually this comes out to the general public on March 1st, doesn't it? Whoops. Um, so, you know, St. Patrick's Day is also romantic. Yeah. Kind of. um, but uh, we're talking about we're talking about true love. We're talking about the the one true pairings of Star Wars. And initially, this was just going to be a conversation. And then we started putting a list together. And then it was like, I guess we're ranking these. I guess that's what's happening. I guess <laughs> I guess that's which has kind of, I think, become our shtick is that we just kind of you and I just kind of rank things and then. Um, hopefully not argue about yeah, it. Yeah. So, we're going to argue today, man. Uh, <laughs> like, we I are. know where we we're going to argue. We are. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. It's all right. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we've got a list of what was it? 14. Um, but oh, that's funny because February 14th would have, it's Valentine's yeah. day. This would have been a great Valentine's day. episode. Would have really should have thought Could have, should have, would have. Michael. Um, uh, this four week schedule kind of puts us in a in a in a funny place where it's like you can't really do themed stuff that often. But 
Um, but yeah, it works out. 14. We did it on purpose. This was uh, actually a, a calculate. See, this is this is the chaotic vibe. Like, this is the thing. This is the two of us just making it up as we go along. Um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna run down this list, and then we're going to, as we do, I think we're gonna kind of sort them. I I you know, into a ranking. So uh, let's start. Let's, let's, let's get into it at the bottom, at the bottom of our list. This is in not, it's a somewhat particular order, but not really. I let's, we're going to start with Iden Versio and Del Mico from battlefront two. I, I don't, I don't think I have a ton to say about these two. I mean, I love Iden Versio. Del is a, is an interesting character. I don't know. These these two come in the midst of like the glut of imperial defectors, mm-hmm. right? There was there was an era there where I really like like I think it was like immediately sort of post Disney that every story was about somebody who was an imperial that defected to the rebellion or the resistance, yeah. like a first order to the resistance sort of thing. Like it was just all it was so many stories because like Sabine's story really focused around that in one of the seasons of rebels. And yeah, it just, every other character, it felt like they were, um, they were an Imperial that ends up a rebel alpha alphabet squadron, I think had a, had a character that was an Imperial that gets captured and then gets made into an asset for a covert uh, fighter squadron. Alphabet squadron are great. Those are great books. Obviously Finn is like the big, yeah. Finn Finn is a big part of it. Um, I'm trying to remember. I actually don't remember this game other than not being that into it, which really surprised me. Squadrons. Wasn't that also, didn't that also have some like Imperial effect? Or am I remembering that wrong? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really, remember. I don't remember that game. I played it once. I was oh, like, nah. the story, the story stuff in that game was just like, because it was all, there was no story when you were actually in your starfighter. It was all having to like go up to characters that just sort of stood there in an idle animation and their yeah. lips moved. It was, yeah. yeah, the story was not why you were playing that game. And to me, it was like, I can I just skip all of this? And can you just send me on missions? Um, yeah, no, I squadrons didn't do it for me. I don't think I ever even finished it, but, uh, but yeah. Um, Iden Versio and Del Mico, these two were part of what was the Inferno Squadron, right? And then uh, everything goes down with Operation Cinder mm-hmm. uh, post Return of the Jedi. And they end up sort of caught in they're like they're they're almost like killed on one of the planets because Cinder was like just destroy right like it didn't they, it was like destroy the imperials destroy the rebels destroy everything like just it was it was palpatine's um his plan to just basically like if 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 i die the galaxy dies with me sort of thing mm-hmm. um uh in order to keep the chaos and i i now that we have the context of rise of skywalker you would say that like he did it in order to distract everybody to give him time to, to, you know, um, build up forces and, and all of that, which, I mean, you could still have said that at the time that, that it was like, you know, building towards the first order, um, which I think it was, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it ends up throwing Aiden and Dell sort of into this, like, are they, 
are they with the empire or against the empire? And then sort of through that crucible, they end up falling in love. I mean, I think Dell was in love with her to begin with, right? Is that, that's a proper reading of that story. Uh, I don't know. In lo- I mean, he definitely cared about her. He yeah. always like had her back and everything, but I, I, that wasn't my read. I just kind of, okay. the, the, that felt like it kind of evolved once their loyalties changed. Mm-hmm. Like that's when they kind of saw that side to each other and figured out like, Oh, this isn't right. This isn't working. We need to get out of here. That's kind of where I felt like they, that, that switch was flipped. I, so no. Okay. So this is, this was my interpretation of it. And I think it's based on some of the stuff that Luke says to him in that mission when you're, when you're playing alongside Luke, right. Uh, With all Mm -hmm. the bugs and stuff. Cause he, he leaves the empire when Iden does but he's still kind of like he doesn't really have a direction or a path. He's he's just following her. And I think if I remember right, that Luke kind of says something along those lines of like, like, what is like, where's your loyalty? Like, mm. is it is it to the Empire? Is it is it to justice is or is it to Aiden? Like, is, are you fo- like basically like, are you following someone? Cause I don't think that he knows Aiden at that point. Right. But mm-hmm. cause they're still, they're still kind of Imperials. They're not, they haven't joined the rebellion at that point. Um, and that's the, that's the mission where Dell makes the turn, right? He goes from identifying as an Imperial to like, you know, then he has to, in order to survive, he's got to fight alongside Luke. And that is what, changes his perspective because he was told that Luke was like a war criminal and like, you know, all of this stuff <laughs> yeah. um, that he was this monster. And it's like, and it turns out that like, Oh, he's just like this guy. Like he's just a man. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so he kind of like, uh, it's, it's after that, that I think that it changes. But I, but if I remember right, it's been such a long time, such a long time since I played it. Um, and that game is awful to play. Like, like from a video game standpoint, it plays like trash, but as, as far as I'm concerned, but that story is so good. Um, well, what do you mean? The gameplay is trash. What's, what's trash about yeah. it? Battlefront, the gameplay, the gameplay. Oh, yeah. really? I like yeah. I like the gameplay. Oh, I it's fine. I, it feels like, it feels like you're playing a PlayStation two game. Most of the time, like it just I it, uh, I just remember like using Luke and like the stomping on the bugs. And just... OK, yeah, the heroes play like garbage. It's awful. It's I think awful. normal gameplay is fine, but it's see, it's I, acceptable. I, but I, I would rather play as like the specialty characters, like the clone commandos and the arc yeah, troopers yeah. and stuff and the jet troopers. Like that stuff's way more fun to me. But like yeah. the actual heroes, like when you're running around like Darth Vader, you should feel unstoppable. Sure. Instead, I feel like a sleepy elephant. Yeah, yeah. My thing, my thing with the with the not to get into like a video game debate on this one, but <laughs> my thing with Battlefront and Battlefront Two with both of them is that you're talking about an era where we've got uh, I I don't really play the Call of Duty game, so I can't compare to that, but I can compare to Battlefield, which controls like butter, right? If you're talking about just a straight up and down first person shooter, it is. I I love it. Um, I haven't played a battlefield in a long time. I don't even know if they still put them out, but, but like back in that era, right back in that PS3 era, PS3, PS4, PS4 era. I, I, those games were awesome that they controlled 
beautifully. And then you've got other stuff that's a little bit more like, like out there and pushing the boundaries like Titanfall two. And if you compare the gameplay in battlefront two to Titanfall two, it's night and day, right? Mm -hmm. Like Titanfall two, you forget that you're playing a video game and you're like running on walls and jumping around and grappling and like all of this stuff in that game that is just like, it's Titanfall two remains even in 2024, one of the best first person shooter experiences that I've had, not to mention the fact that it's got a great story. And then that team goes on to make fallen order and Jedi survivor. Right. So I, I, cause that's respawn, but I did not um, realize that. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. and if for people like, who haven't I played like, Titanfall two, go play Titanfall two. It is one of the yeah, best Star Wars games you'll play because it is. It's Star <laughs> Wars mechs, but um, it's there's a reason why they got tapped to come in and 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 make uh, Fallen Order under like ridiculous pressure. But we'll talk more about Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I, I just if I compare it to other games of that type, I it's it doesn't even hold a candle as far as I'm mm. concerned. But uh, anyways, Aiden and Dell, I feel like they're going to be probably close to the bottom of the list. I like yeah. they they're great together, but like they just don't really stand out. And the problem is that there's st- the way that they told the story in Battlefront is that it's like, it's kind of complete. We kind of have the, the, the start to finish. Actually, I don't, maybe that's not true. Cause maybe the D I did the, was the DLC that like Aiden, was she dead or had she gone missing? She she sacrifices herself so that her kid survives. Yeah. Because they, they were on like a mission together. Yeah. That's the end of the game. That's the end yeah. of the game. But then there's DLC, because we were talking about this before we started recording. There's DLC that's after that. And I think the DLC no. that's after that implied that she might still be alive i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the end of the the end of the end the end of the actual game is the battle of jakku is it yeah and then the dlc is years and years and years later okay maybe she sacrifices herself and kylo ren shows up and i think kills dell too um if i remember correctly so like both Maybe of them are dead. We probably should have. We shot, probably should have prepped for this episode <laughs> before we did it. But like, this was such a last minute addition, though. Yeah, Aiden yeah, yeah. and Bell. So like, whatever. That's who cares. That's the thing. They almost didn't even make the list, so yeah, they're going to stay at the were, bottom. They were bottom. an afterthought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, next on our on our list in no particular order, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just immediately put them above Dell and Aiden is Din and Bo Katan. I disagree. Um, I already disagree. You already I don't disagree? Because that's the thing. Like, I love them as characters and I love their relationship, but I don't think they have a romantic relationship. Yes. I, I, don't, I think it could, yeah, okay. but it's not yet. It's like, it, I don't even think this one should qualify if I'm being totally honest. I, I don't think that their relationship is traditional and i think that that's probably one of the things that like din is a weird dude it's not mm-hmm. this is not on bo katan i feel like bo katan could have a perfectly normal relationship but din is incapable din is uh, uh half a person at best <laughs> right um and i think as a result he, he like there's a lot th- th- it's sort of like an unrequited thing like i think that he Longingly. Unrequited? What? Yeah. 
Don't you think so? No. They, okay. Not at all. Not why, at all. Why do, you, why do you think it's not? Why do you think it is? I have no, Be- I have no evidence to think it is. That's why. Because, <laughs> where, because, where because he just, coming from? he's constantly like, like in season three, he's constantly just like gazing at her. And he keeps going he gazes, back. He's to got her. a helmet on. He looks. He just oh, dude. gazes at everybody. No, dude. It's a. There's a. There's a vibe. There's a vibe. And <laughs> Yo, he keeps what? going. He keeps going back to her, even though she's like, "If I see you again, I will kill you." And mm. but he keeps going like, "Hey, can you help me though? Well, but can you please help me with Grogu?" And then she's like, "Fine, I'll help you with Grogu." And like the three of them are this little family unit by the end of the season that this the shot of the two of them protecting grogu together and then grogu protecting both of them to me is like very clear symbolic storytelling that like these three are a little family unit they are they are their thing but then like they obviously separate at the very end and he goes back to his homestead and she stays on mandalore to rebuild but but like there is a i don't know i I feel like they are end game. I want them. I want them together. If not them, then Din's got to be with Cobb. But I, I, cause, cause the two of them have so much chemistry, but they're not on the list. Um, I, but yeah, I, th- I think that's the scene on the, the, the big, like, uh, the pirate ship, right. When they're traveling across the desert before they get attacked by the turtle dinosaur. Um, the gigantic turtle dinosaur. You know what I'm talking about with the with the Mandalorians that are like still on Mandalore. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's that moment that they have sort of like it's it's like twilight and not the books. It's the time of day I'm talking about. And and they like he's like like whatever you need whenever you need like wherever you are like I like like you I pledge myself to you. So like that, the, your song has not yet been written. Yeah, yeah. That I, look. That I, was a proposal. I, that was a proposal, dude. dude. Like that's what that was. <laughs> look, I get that Mandalorian culture. The stuff just it goes differently than it does in a traditional romantic relationship. I I get it, and I even see it being potential groundwork. But it's not there yet for me. It's it's just I just don't think it's there yet. I yeah, think I, they are they are the couple that are friends first and work really well and realize later on, oh yeah, this is a thing. That's what I feel like their relationship will turn into. But right okay. now, I don't I don't I think they just really respect each other. I don't know. I can't I can't I can't. I can't meet you there. Like that's, that is not my reading of it at all, but, okay, I, but, that's like, but I'll look, give it to I don't, you. I'll give it to I don't, you because it's not. I don't, no, 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 no. Don't give it to me because honestly, I don't think Aiden and Dell are like that great a romantic couple. Anymore. Okay. So like, okay. I, this is, this is not a hill I'm dying on. I'm just very surprised that you feel the way that you feel. That's all. You know what we? I need to. I need to send you some some materials. I need to send you some stuff because I feel like you're you're approaching it from like a very from a very literal like on not on the surface because I don't want to say that like your perspective on it is shallow, but but I think that you're looking at it in a very literal way, whereas I'm looking at it in a in a very symbolic way and like a very like from a mythic storytelling perspective, mm-hmm. and these two 
like when you look at the tropes and the mythic uh like sort of the archetypal stuff that's going on with the two characters like they are um if if you're if you're sort of like looking at it in like a a, like a classical storytelling like uh looking at those motifs when he says that stuff to her it is it is from that perspective very literally a proposal he is saying Mm -hmm. like 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 i want to be joined to you forever right um so yeah all i there are some episodes of what the force and there's probably some stuff on wit and folly that i can send you and and you know i'm gonna convert you to all of this stuff eventually he's he's also half her age right like that's I'm fine. looking at a, at a thing here that says she the minimum age of Bo-Katan yeah. is 64 years old because of everything that was said in Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels and all that stuff. Yeah. And he's like 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <pretty> but they're <laughs> both adults, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, it's fine. That's he's he's yeah. he likes older ladies. There is no shade on that, man. I get he's, it looking for somebody that'll step on him and I mean, she will. So he's got pretty tough boots. So, yeah. So, okay, let's move on to the next one. And the next okay. one I am also, I'm going to put above this because it is pretty heavily implied in the last Jedi. Um, although, although it gets dropped in the, in the subsequent movie, like every yeah, plot line, I, from the entire sequel trilogy, everything gets dropped because somehow Palpatine returned and, for some reason, that's the only thing that matters at that point. Um, but the next one is Finn and Rose. Um, I like their chemistry together. I enjoy their storyline in the last Jedi. Um, but I enjoy it. I think more because I like Rose and less because I like the two of them together. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I don't, it's I mean a, a the next one that we'll talk about will make my position even more clear. But like this is not an end game <laughs> situation for me. I don't I don't see these two together um, in in the long term if they did get together. Mm. But I uh, well they yeah. weren't because they weren't <laughs> together in the next movie yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, it's funny because there the, there's a book that takes place in between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, which is I think Resistance Reborn. Or Rebellion yeah. Reborn? I can't remember. I think it's Resistance Reborn. And uh, if it if it gets into anything, it gets into the next one that I'm going to talk about more than more than it ex- examines anything with Finn and Rose. But it actually, um, if I remember right, it kind of like shuts it down in that book. Like it actively like gets to the point where like Rose is like, oh hey, I don't feel that way about you. Like. Like I, like I, like I love you, but I don't like love, love you, you know, like, and so Finn, I don't know. Finn, Finn is funny. Cause Finn, I think has a romantic entanglement with every other lead character yeah. at some point Literally in the sequel everyone. trilogy. It, it's a, I, I, yeah, there's, he's, he, it, that's just John Boyega though. John Boyega just has chemistry with everyone. He's got, right. He's got that Riz, man. He does have that Riz. Uh, I, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but Finn and Rose, I don't know. I don't know. Where where what do you think? Where do we where do we put this? Do we put this above or below Dinbo? I mean, everything goes above Dinbo for me. For you, yeah. Um, so I I have I have yeah. no problem with that. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. It's currently at number one. 
But I'm now we can talk about the real one. This is the real one. <laughs> about to be dethroned at number two. Yeah, and this is one. Of, this is this is one of my top threes. So I and that is Finpo Storm Pilot, yeah. as as we call it in the community. Um, this comes off of the I I the scene in The Force Awakens when Poe is like, "Hey, that's my jacket." And then Finn goes to give it back to him. He's like, no, keep it. It suits you. And and he kind of, he does that thing where he bites his lip and it's, it's been, it's been interpreted in a certain way. Um, and I, but more than that, the fuel that's on these flames comes from Oscar himself. Yeah. He wants Finn and Poe to be together. And he made a lot of comments, actually, several comments during the press tour for Rise of Skywalker that, like, when asked about it, when pressed on it, if there would be anything in, in Rise, that Disney shot it down. Like, that he like that he legitimately went to, to I'm assuming, like, Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams and was like, this is, this is the storyline that I would like to see in this last movie um, with these two characters. And it was, and it was shut down. And so this is one of the things I don't talk about it as much as I talk about some of the other things that drive me nuts in that movie. But this is one of the things that really bugs me in rise (laughs) is that their relationship is turned into this really gross, um, like, like dude, bro, like Mountain Dew, Halo doubles (laughs) kind of like relationship that, undermines both of their storylines as well as erases attempts to erase this. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can't erase it. If you look at the shot at the end of the movie, when the two of them hug before Ray gets back, when it's just the two of them, they have an embrace and that embrace is like, (laughs) there's an intensity to it. So there's, there's stuff throughout all three sequels that for me, um, it, 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 it heavily implies all of this. And unfortunately, Disney and Lucasfilm are not brave enough in, in the current climate to, to push that, um, and let that story, you know, evolve organically in the way that it has. But I, uh, yeah, it's, and, and, and to be clear, the reason why is because if they put that relationship you can, you wouldn't be able to cut around Finn and Poe if you put them together at the end of Rise, like or like at some point in that movie. If if you paired them up in that way, it would be very difficult to edit that out for the overseas market because um, I think it's like China as well as as several other um, Asian countries will like they will just not allow your movie. Like they'll just they'll just completely like ban it in the country um if you have any homosexual or like uh queer relationships in it it's just not allowed it's 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 literally illegal so in general like weren't the posters for china like john boyega is like (laughs) 
<laughs> like a removed. third of the yeah. size he is or removed yeah like if yeah. he even made the poster in the first place so there's i think a lot of so that. yeah there are force awakens posters where he is both reduced in size and full-on removed like just not Gross. on the poster um and and then i think that he was like almost absent from the the last jedi marketing as well um and that's one of those that is one of those places where disney you know like like there's, there are a lot of people out there who are very critical of Disney and Star Wars. They're critical of Disney and Star Wars because it's too woke. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're mad about all of this, uh, all of these politics in their Star Wars um, because they're intellectually dishonest or just straight up ignorant. Um, but this is the one, this is one of the spots. There's a couple of things that Disney has done with Star Wars that I am not a big fan of. This attitude the way that John Boyega was treated across the board by Disney is one of the things that frustrates me the most because he was the biggest supporter. Like he was the biggest fan out of all of them going into it. Right. Like, I mean, like, and and that's a, that's a tall order. Oscar is also a massive star Wars fan. Right. Mm. Um, But, but John is like straight up and down one of us. Right. I, and so for them to sort of treat him the way that they treated him for, for very understandable, but still unacceptable reasons. Yeah. Like that's sort of my position on it is like, I get it. I, I, from a business standpoint, I understand why Disney and Lucasfilm take the stance that they do with a lot of this stuff, um, which is very neutral, right? It's very, it's, it, um, but at the same time, it's 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 very frustrating because on the one hand you'll go to the parks and in the parks especially around summertime right when we were there a couple of years ago in may for star wars celebration tons of pride stuff just stuff just slathered in rainbows right yeah which is like its own you know i i i sort of bramble bush that we don't need to get into um but <laughs> but like they will do that and they will show that support. But then when it comes to like their actual product, like what they're actually selling, not the merchandise, but what they're actually selling, which is these stories, they shy away from it more often than not. And it's, it's really frustrating because like there, there was also, there was an element of the movie Raya, which was funny. We're talking about, you know, Finn and Rose a second ago. And that's Kelly Marie Tran. There was, there was meant to be. Oh, really? Yeah, there was meant to be a a, a queer relationship in that, right? Mm. Um, but but that was sort of you know downplayed and and essentially erased from that as well. So there's a there's stuff in that movie that that people then feel is is sort of queer baiting and and that sort of thing in some of the marketing because it doesn't show up in the movie. I um, please educate me. I've heard yeah. that phrase before. I what does queer baiting actually mean? So queer, queer baiting is when you put, you heavily imply things, but you never straight up say it, or okay. you heavily so imply things like to it. Okay. for, yeah, for marketing, like you'll put things in marketing mm-hmm. or okay. you'll allow the fandom to run with something and you'll even like support it as a company and be like, yeah, totally. Storm pilot is great. But then when it comes to the actual product, you it not only do you steer away from it, but like you'll go out of your way to say it's not the case. Right. Okay, um, 
So yeah, so that it's it's basically when when a company uses queerness as a way to get people to purchase something only to discover that there is zero queer content or anti-queer content in the product itself. Right. So, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it it is in rise of Skywalker because they have the, they have the, the two women that kiss at the end. Right. And they like there was marketing there was promotion during the the press tour of like oh yeah we we have a we have a like a same sex right, relationship that. in rise of skywalker and then it's just these two women in the background kiss and it's cut out in most regions it's pretty much just for north america i remember um, forgetting about it like before yeah. i saw the movie and then in the movie i don't i'm not even sure if i noticed it the first time and then I remember hearing like, oh, people flipping out over the kiss. I was like, what kiss? Yeah. <laughs> there was a kiss. Yeah. So it's like, that was, that is, that is an example of queer baiting okay. because okay. that they put that in there just to be like, see, see, we do like queer people. And it's like, no, no, that's, that doesn't count. Cause it's just tokenism. Right. Mm. Um, it's like it. It's it's like saying the guy in in the 1976 Superman movie that says to Superman uh, when he changes into his into his costume for the first time, "Hey man, that's one bad outfit," <laughs> uh, which is one of my favorite <laughs> lines in the entire Superman franchise. Um, it's like saying that that guy makes the movie diverse because that black guy says that thing. And it's like, no, no, that was some tokenism. And it was actually a little bit exploitative. And it's like, he's, you know, speaking in jive talk and all right. Like, so it's like, I look at this on the same level as that, where it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, like, like when people call for queer representation, you want it front and center if, if it's going to be there. Right. So, yeah, I, 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 I really wish that they had had the 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 guts to make this what both Oscar and John were fully in support of and prepared to do on screen. Um, so it's still a little bit of a weird thing because like I, I don't know that either of them necessarily identify as queer. Um, I mean, Oscar gives off a vibe. Uh, he's 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 I I. Uh, what's heteroflexible uh, to say the least I like I I would assume um but I uh, but yeah like I it's so it's you're still in a place of like well if you're gonna have queer characters they should probably be played by queer actors and not like because then you are still kind of in this weird tokenism thing and mm. and that sort of thing but but at the same time like like listen if you had I uh, an interracial homosexual relationship in a star Wars movie. Oh boy. It would, <laughs> it would be a big deal. It would be a big deal for representation. It would also be a big deal on the the flame side of things. So it's like, I like, that's where I come back to it. I get it. I understand why it's not Canon and it's not in the movies. Um, at the same time, like I will never, ever, ever, ever let this die i will never let it die because the two of them had such amazing chemistry on screen and the yeah the 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 vibe in in the force awakens 
I just want them together. I just want them to smush, you know, <laughs> I just want their faces to just like to become one. Um, Cause I just, I don't know. I just think it would be great. I think it, I, I love them together. They're so much fun together. And I, and I think that it would just, it would add this other element that would take their characters to this other level. And, and as well as like, like, making them the Han and Leia of the sequel trilogy, I think would have been just like the, the best, the best. <laughs> I, cause you've got with, with, with Kylo and Ray, which we'll talk about, you've got like the reverse, the reverse Annie dollar. Right. I, I, as people call it. Um, but I, it would have been really cool to see to see that like Han Leia sort of relationship as well of like these two that like that that bicker a little bit but it's like cuz so there's the shot in um in the last jedi this is one of the places where i really appreciate ryan is that he left the finn rose thing ambiguous even though it's like it's very much there but it's still it's still a little bit ambiguous but he also includes some finn post stuff that is also ambiguous um (laughs) leaving room for for that story the scene when they're uh they're talking in the hallway is like i i and there's like there's like guys moving between them or whatever is like a reference to han and leia arguing on oh i love that so if you go back to it's like I think it's like after he's cool. he's gotten dressed and then they're sort of like um they're sort of like going back and forth. And I think that it's also like it's not as long as the scene originally was. I think that the, there's a much longer scene in the deleted scenes, if I remember right. But um yeah, it, it was there. Like he 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 put that in as like a direct it's a direct shot for shot reference. Oh, I love that. In the extended version, I think, in the extended the part the the one that was cut. So it was like it, there were there was intention there. Um, but I think that there might've been a little bit of like studio meddling of, of him being sort of forced to, to put, like, I think that he paired Finn and Rose up as like a duo of like, go off on your adventure. But I think that there was a little bit of like a studio Disney thing of like, make it look like they're going to kiss at the end. Mm. Um, and yeah so uh, like what what was a friendship thing sort of looks a little bit more like a romance thing but um but if oscar wants to kiss john boyega i think that he should be able to kiss john boyega do it you coward yeah so they're they're our number one right now i i'm gonna let you talk at length about this next one because you know more about (laughs) it than i do Okay, so next one is Kyle Katarn and Jan Orr. As some people mm-hmm. might be like, I don't know who the hell that is. Kyle Katarn, main character of the Dark Forces and Jedi Knight series. Um, their story is actually pretty simple, but keep in mind this was late 90s Star Wars, expanded universe material, video games, and a couple of like little, um, not junior novels, but kind of like graphic novel slash novel it, okay yeah we talked about this a little you you mentioned this yeah. on on the last episode when we were talking yes. about eu characters and yeah. i just want to i just want to put out there because at the time that these were released the term graphic novel did refer to those right. dark forces books <laughs> right so what a graphic novel meant was that you had a it was it was a novel 
usually more of a novella, like not 300 pages, closer to like 100, 150 pages, but that would be like fully illustrated throughout. So you would have like regular illustrations, like, like every like three or four pages. Right. Mm. Um, and that's, it's a format that's kind of died because trade paperbacks, which are collected editions of comics became a thing in sort of like the late nineties. I, I mean like a trade paperback was a thing before that, but, but, um, the collection of like regular because comic storytelling sort of shifted away from issues into like three or four, you know, comic arcs. And as they did that, it was like, okay, dark horse actually was one of the ones who, who really pushed this with star Wars because they would do a six issue series. And then they would collect the six, six issue series like dark empire into a trade paperback. And so trade paperbacks became super popular, took over that market and the graphic novel actually like died off as a format. And nobody really does it anymore. Um, you see it a little bit in like young middle grade stuff and like the scholastic stuff. You see sort of that format, but it's not quite the same thing. Um, but yeah, so at the time, this would have been referred to as a graphic novel. But but now it sort of has this weird like, what is it? It's a book with illustrations yeah. because it's also in the format of a of a comic book, right? Like like mm. size wise, it's the format of a comic yeah, book. It's, but it's then the it's exact same dimensions, prose. yeah. Yeah. So, so I just wanted, I just wanted to get that out there because we ended uh, no, up like I, going off on another tangent no, um, I, talking I about Calcaturn last time, but go ahead. Yeah, no. So their story, I mean, it was really fleshed out the, the best and the most in those three, that little trilogy of graphic novels. Um, and Jan Ors was a, uh, you know, working as a rebel. Kyle was, had just graduated or was about to graduate the Imperial Academy, was uh, going to be an officer, was leading his very first mission ever. It was supposed to be really routine. Turns out there were a bunch of rebel insurgents in this place where he was. All of his, his like most of his squad is is killed and they find a bunch of unarmed rebels in, in the back there. And they have this kind of, uh, he, he kind of makes eye contact with Jan and they have this sort of like, weird ripple moment through the force where they realize that the other person is going to be really important to the other person's destiny. And he ends up letting them go. He, and uh, his, his, the men under his command are really upset about it, but he's like, they're not hurting anybody. Don't worry about them. Like I'll, I'll deal with command. And um, shortly after that, Kyle leaves and uh, leaves the empire because he finds out that his dad was killed by the empire and is obviously very disenchanted with it and tries to defect and ends up finding uh, Jan and Jan has the jump on him and decides not to kill him. Even though all of her, the other insurgents that she's with are like, Who, what are you doing? Kill this guy. And she's like, Nope, we're even now. He let me live. I let him live. That's it. And they start to go their separate ways. And then Kyle convinces her to uh, let him join and explains what happened with his dad. Eventually, he finds out the whole, you know, how deep that goes. But their relationship together starts out as this very, like, Romeo and Juliet were on opposite factions. And uh, the Force just kind of guides them along their path together. And it doesn't take very long before Jan is just, like, completely trusts him. And even though she kind of betrays his trust a little bit kyle is just like i don't know i just i got a good feeling about you even though 
you uh so uh, basically mon mothma does not trust kyle at all um because she's like why would this this guy just graduated the academy and they know his father they they like because his dad the reason his dad was killed is because he was working for the rebels and was actually really disappointed that kyle's you know, career opportunities were so limited that Kyle decided to join the Imperial Academy um, just kind of to like develop trade, uh, you know, trade and whatever. So anyway, uh, these two characters just kind of like build this relationship together. And by the end of the the uh, story, they're just like inseparable. And what I also like about it is, you know, the really cheesy old you know, PCs, uh, um, like cutscenes, right? Like, cause we didn't really get a lot of their character until like, yes, the, those novels did flesh everything out, but the first time we actually felt more about them as characters was not dark forces. It was Jedi Knight dark forces Two, And that game, the game itself holds up really well for a, for a late nineties game, but the CGI cutscenes, which are, a blend of live action shots filled filmed against a green screen. So you have actual actors doing the green screen stuff. And then just like peak nineties, <laughs> horrible CGI, like filmed a really low resolution. It's like super pixely, but like, it's so good, man. It's so campy and it's so awesome. And it, yeah, it's, it's it, like, it's, it's like wonderful. 12 frames a second. Like, yeah. yeah. It's great. And like, this also came at a time where Jedi in their prime weren't like it, it came out before Phantom Menace. So yeah. you see Jedi flying, you see Jedi like just doing these like crazy things that like are not canon at all. Like all the, the, the bad guy Jedi and like all the bad guy Jedi have like yellow and and blue lightsabers and it's like really wild um there's a few guys that have read but still it's it's very just like what is going on with this if you when you watch it now there's like a lot of the hallmarks of star wars or or it took a lot of liberties because it was doing a lot of guesswork on what a jedi is like a fully trained jedi like actually is um but anyway in that game specifically um Jan was not only the damsel in distress, she had like a lot more personality and stuff like that, but she is kind of used as your, um, the moment where you're choosing if you're going to go light side or dark side. And throughout the game, it was, it was one of those early games. I can't think of a game before this game where your choices in the game mattered and the things that you did mattered. And the, I mean, maybe not choices so much as, as which direction you were kind of choosing to put your ability points. If you were doing more dark side points, you're going to get that dark side ending. If you were doing more light side points, you're going to get that light side ending. And the pivotal moment of the game where it completely diverts from light side to dark side is uh, when the main villain has Jan on her knees in front of you and he, and he's just like, yeah, if you want to join the dark side, you have to kill her. And then you can, we'll, we'll totally hang out and we'll do, we'll, we'll do some dark Jedi stuff together and we'll rule the galaxy. It's going to be awesome. And in the dark side ending, he does like in the next scene, he kills her and it's crazy. But I love that it was just 
their relationship is supposed to be like that moment of, you know, well, now you're totally gone, right? Like you, you've, you've, you've chosen your path. Now you're going to be a bad guy. And it just like veers off into this insane thing where like you kill everybody and you become the emperor of the empire and one of the dark Jedi is like your, your servants. And it's just crazy. But anyway, rearing, like reeling it back into the two of them. I just, I remember really loving the idea that, well, there isn't just Han and Leia in Star Wars. Like there's room for other types of relationships because Han and Leia, I mean, I mean, we'll get to them later. Han and Leia is a very different relationship from a lot of romances and in film in general, and even in Star Wars. But I just really liked, I always liked that Romeo and Juliet kind of thing and that mutual respect that the two of them had. And they just, they just implicitly trusted each other and had each other's backs. And I don't know, man, Uh, they're very high on my list. I don't, I don't think they hold up compared to a lot of the people on this list that we're going to get into, but I was very impressed when I was kind of going back and and reading those novels again and, you know, kind of thinking about them as characters, because it's been a while since I've really thought about them with them being legends and everything. Um, but I think they hold up. Like, I think I think their relationship really holds up. So I don't know that, that that's where I'm at. Yeah, my my familiarity with Kyle Katarn is New Jedi Order stuff and, okay, and yeah. uh, Jedi Outcast, right? So there's not a lot of jam yeah, in Jedi. Not Outcast. very much there. Yeah. <clears throat> so um so I don't I don't have nearly as much familiarity, but but yeah, I like I I do like know that, you know, they're they're in there. Like they're 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 one of the 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 more important ones sort of in the mm. EU. Um yeah. especially cuz like at that time there's really wasn't a lot. Um Okay, I'm gonna put them under Finn and Poe, above Finn and Rose. I could not agree more. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, I oh, next one. This one will probably end up pretty high up, but it's not. It's no longer canon, but it was mm-hmm. canon for a long time, mm-hmm. and that is uh, Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade, uh, who becomes Mara Jade Skywalker. So these guys are canon, and and they are together, and um, uh, they have a, a son. Uh, ben Skywalker. So, I, I, this this is my thing. Is that <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Luke in the EU is a very different character from Luke in the movies, as far as I'm concerned. And I would have said that before the Last Jedi. Um, EU Luke is a is a is a Saturday morning cartoon superhero, and that's fine for the EU those books and comics and even, you know, some video games and stuff like that, that's what they needed. Right. And that's what Luke needed to be for those stories. Mm -hmm. I don't consider him a very well-rounded, very thoughtfully crafted character. Um, A lot of the things that people complain about with Ray are actually things that EU Luke like epitomizes. So uh, a lot of the Mary Sue conversations and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, Listen, if Luke needs to be able to do something, he'll be able to do it. And that's it like that's fine, but again, it is a Saturday morning comic book superhero thing. Stan Lee would often say, you know, if if I uh, Spider-Man's got to fight the Hulk, <laughs> who's going to win, right? Yeah. Yeah. And his answer is, well, whose book is it? Yeah. Is it Spider-Man's book? Cuz if who it's Spider-Man's book, then yeah. Spider-Man's going to win. Yeah. 
right? Um, it's it, whatever's going to serve the story. If, if Spider-Man needs to lose to the Hulk in order for his story to progress, he's going to lose to the Hulk. It's not about who's more powerful. It's about, you know, like what's right for the story. And so the storytellers in the EU, they needed characters that could do things and, and the stakes had to constantly get increased and the, and the threats had to get bigger and bigger in order to sell more books and, and to keep people engaged. And so Luke just got progressively more and more powerful. And along with that, Mara Jade, who was created as this character, um, this femme fatale in Star Wars, um and and we've talked about it. i don't like the 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 zon stuff but i do like mary jade as a character and i like where she goes and i think that she's very interesting i think she has a cool premise for sure yeah um i like the idea of a femme fatale jedi like that that eventually yeah. she she turns to the light and you know and that like that luke is the influence of that um and and, you know, she was just she was kind of like a lost soul. Right. I mean, like she has a lot in, in common with Starkiller. She has a lot in common with mm-hmm. Vader. Um, oh, there's one we should add to the list. St- Starkiller and Vader. No, and Star- <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vader and Starkiller's clone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I but I I my thing with the relationship between Luke and Mara Jade is that once they're married, she becomes a side character. Yeah, for sure. She ceases to be, to yeah. she ceases to be Mara Jade and she becomes Mara Jade Skywalker and right. she turns into his wife and Ben's mother. And that has always bothered me. Um, cause, cause she was an interesting, well-rounded character. One of the best characters in the EU up until that point. And then they did that. And it was a whole big thing. There was a comic book about it. And like, it was like this whole like celebration of like Luke Skywalker's finally getting married. Um, Can I quickly? Yeah. Just two seconds point away from star Wars. Videl from dragon ball used to be like one of my favorite characters until she mm. married Gohan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now she's just Gohan's wife. It that is I've so I am I am currently making my way through Super and it is the thing that pisses me off every time I, she shows I up. love Boo Saga Videl so much. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then she's just sidelines halfway through the Boo Saga and then that's it. Yeah, Akira Toriyama's got some ideas about women and <laughs> yeah. uh, and marriage yeah. that I don't think yeah. really vibe in the year 2024. Yeah. So him making new stories uh, in this in this day and age, I think he needs a little bit of um, help, a little bit of help. But <laughs> anyways, again, yeah. okay. this I'm is sorry. a thunderquack conversation. I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, hey. but like you said it, and I, I immediately yeah. thought of Adele. And when like, when no, it's a great point to bring up because it's a it's a one to one for sure. Like yeah. you like you've nailed it. That like because the same thing happened to Chi Chi, right? Chi Chi was yeah. a fighter, yeah. yeah. And then and then sure, we yeah. get to Dragon Ball Z. And we learn that, like, okay, so they've got a son, they've got Gohan, and then the next time we see her, she's like, I hate fighting. Fighting should never happen. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you fought in the World Martial Arts Tournament. Like, what are you talking about, Chi-Chi? Like, you beat the crap out of Goku the first time that you met him. Like, that's why he loves you. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Anyways, table this. This is a conversation. When I finish <laughs> Dragon Ball Super, we'll have, okay. a, we'll have a conversation about right, Dragon cool. Ball on Thunderquack. Awesome. But, um... 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like for, for that alone, I feel like this relationship can't rank as high as it would otherwise. Their mm-hmm. romance, I think, is really great. And and that early stuff in New Jedi Order, I think, is really great, uh, like of, of them developing that relationship. And obviously, like it is an enemies to lovers relationship, which is which is one of my favorites. Um, so it's I I like it fits that bill and, and I, and I like that dynamic of it and that tension, but, but yeah, it does eventually just sort of like fizzle out. And mm. then, and then she dies in the, in the books, doesn't she eventually? Yeah. Like the, I they, think they, uh, Jason kills her. Yeah. Um, he, which is that. So yeah. So they, they just, yeah. they fridge her in order to, to motivate Luke's storyline. Um, and that I'll never be cool with. um so yeah so uh, with all of that in mind i would i'm gonna put them i will start the bidding at underneath finn and rose at number four yeah okay yeah that's fine okay anything you got anything else to say about luke and mara no no you covered the bases okay cool han and kira now obviously this one can't rank the highest because it can't be over Han and Leia, but how do we feel about the relationship between Han and Kira? Yeah. I mean, this, this to me feels very unrequited because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they were together when they were younger, but like it was brief. We didn't, we didn't get a ton of it. And then after that, it was, you know, she's the one that got away. Right. So I love their dynamic. I love their relationship. I love that um, Amelia Clark is her name, right? Yeah. The Khaleesi lady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's she's Daenerys to me. Um, I really love the way she played it. Like you could, at any given moment, whenever the two of them had a moment together, you could tell that there were things she wanted to say that she couldn't say. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, I really, I like the way they're per- portrayed. And, but she chose her life, right? And it wasn't Han. She did what she had to do to survive. And she's not as naive as Han, but if she really wanted to choose Han, she probably could have figured out a way and gone on the run. And yeah, it would have been super dangerous. And, you know, who knows what Maul would have done. But it's, I I, I think... It was a very compelling relationship because I was very interested in like, will they, won't they? Obviously they won't because Leia is a thing later, but um, I was very invested in the two Mm. of them. So it was already more compelling to me than most of the list that we've gone through so far. So what about you? Yeah, I I really like them together. Uh, I I think first off that that Amelia Clark and Alden Ehrenreich had just like great chemistry. Yeah. I I, but again, like Alden is another one of those actors. I feel like Alden had great chemistry with everybody on screen in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, he I mean, really like, did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it's one of the reasons why Solo is my favorite star wars movie so i mm-hmm. uh, because he just he he is so so charming and so wonderful and uh you just you brute for him right uh and it breaks your heart every time that this is this is the one of those things much like anakin turning into vader 
every time I get to the end of solo and she, you know, there's that, that great shot of, you know, they're, they're kind of making eye contact cinematically, but obviously they can't be, but she's in the shadow, you know, in that very like film noir, 1930s sort of lighting. And he's watching that ship fly away. And it just, it breaks my heart every time. I'm like, like, but you guys would have been so great together, you know? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, but ultimately it's doomed. So, you know, that's, it's one of those things. Uh, it has to be because the rest of the story is what the rest yeah. of the story is. So, yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, but I love them together. I, I, this one ranks really high for me. I, I would put it right underneath Finn and Poe. Yeah. Okay. I, I can yeah. get behind that. You go with that. As much as I love Kyle and Jan, I, yeah. I recognize that because their source material is so limited that there's, there's just the, the movie stuff, the TV stuff is going to hit harder, right? Yeah. The stuff that we spend more time with people is going to hit harder. Um, yeah, no, it's also spot. just, you know, like the stuff, the stuff with like, no offense to the actors in, in, uh, you know, the, 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 the dark forces games, but like the stuff with like, like, you know, real screen actors is gonna, it's gonna <laughs> hit harder. It is because yeah, you've got like, yeah. you're talking about movie stars and not like yeah, yeah, people who course. acted in video games in the nineties, yeah. you know? I mean, Tim Curry was a wonderful actor in video games in the nineties, but hey, I mean, like no one, no one has ever said space better. So space. you're right. I right. uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Next up, actually, I I like this one two combo that we've got coming up. We've got Asajj and Quinlan, mm-hmm. and then after that, we're gonna have Cal and Marin. I think yeah. I think that there's a lot of similarities in, yeah. in here. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously night sisters so that's gonna do mm-hmm. it but but more than that um asajj and quinlan hi listen i i we didn't get to see this come to fruition on screen in the way that i that we all wanted to right mm-hmm. um but it is in dark disciple and i i'm gonna go ahead and say i think Asajj and Quinlan are the hottest couple in Star Wars. (laughs) For sure. Like in terms of like, like raw, like sexuality, like Quinlan, Quinlan is a character who should never be wearing a shirt. (laughs) And Asajj has that, I, I, yeah, she's got that again, you know, that step on me energy like Bo-Katan. Oh you man. Know? Yeah, she's 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 so punk rock, man. She's and awesome. I don't know. I get I guess I guess we're I guess we're kind of like like telling on ourselves a little bit you and I that we're, you know, just a couple of beta cucks, <laughs> but I I but I like listen. Nothing nothing is sexier to me than a powerful woman and that can mean a mm-hmm. lot of different things. Yeah. Um but yeah, like I like a, a like a lady that can handle herself is is something that uh, goes a long way for me. So um I and more than that a a a lady that can put me in my place is, is also is also <laughs> appreciated, you know? Like I like I like these things about Asajj's character I didn't when she was first introduced it's so funny because like I really really didn't like Asajj Ventress initially and then over the course of the Clone Wars are we are we talking like 
micro series and comics or i mean mic- micro Wars, series like the yeah series micro series or... we kind of talked about this at one point i think i brought this up i mean in the micro series she's just a darth maul right yeah like and, and when i say that her, period yeah yeah like a darth maul boba fett right of like introduced and like no story right there's nothing here really there's a bit of an introduction a bit of an origin but not really much to go on not much character so she's fine she's an adversary for anakin and and that's fine visually she's great taken from the art book um it all that all works for me and i have no problem with it but if you were like do you like that character i'd be like not really like it doesn't really do anything for me like the goth chick thing isn't really my vibe um (laughs) it's mine (laughs) okay okay that's good um i okay i should say like there's there are different flavors of goth chick and the shaved head I, I excessive eyeliner goth chick is kind of a little bit outside <laughs> my out, outside my uh, interests. Um, but I, as the Clone Wars goes on and her story evolves and she evolves as a character and we learn more about her and she becomes more well-rounded when she shows up in that Ahsoka episode um, when Ahsoka's on the run, right? And they team up. Mm-hmm my opinion 180 I, I, it completely 180 And I was like, I love this character. I love what they've done. <laughs> I love that. She's a hero now. And, um, and w- like we get the Boba Fett episode as well, where she's like straight up the, the protagonist of that story. And then dark disciple just like seals it. Like dark disciple is, is one of the better, novels one of the better star wars novels i think it, it's sort of it's in that wonderful era between because there's sort of the the from the clone wars and when I, when I say the clone wars i'm talking like micro series like like actually between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith that mm-hmm. stuff where we've got like shatterpoint cestus deception labyrinth of evil some really really great star wars novels um, and then up until really like Dark Disciple and New Dawn, there's some really, really good stuff in there, which because that's the beginning of the Disney era. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then, you know, after that, I haven't really there's not been a lot that I've really vibed with. Brotherhood is the only one that comes to mind that I, I really, really need really to finish liked. that. I did the first hundred pages and really Brotherhood's it, really good. I, I never got around to finish. And there's some there's some good Asajj stuff in Brotherhood because there's some stuff from. Obi-Wan's yeah, because it's the first time they ever meet her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's got some things to say about her um which he is you know it's hot in in this in dark disciple when yeah. he's when quinn when they're briefing quinlan he he's yeah. like yeah by the way she's really hot so like don't be surprised like try yeah. to try to uh simp for her a little bit and quinn's like what <laughs> he's like yeah it's gonna be suspicious if you don't so yeah be flirty um uh, but yeah, so to 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 that end, Quinlan falling for her, him being similarly like on the on sort of the precipice, right? Like she's they come from at it from opposite sides, where like she is a dark sider who returns to the light, and he is a light sider that like flirts with the dark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there it, is a complication in yeah. their in their relationship. Uh, she killed his master and he did not know that. Mm-hmm. So well, that's, but doesn't that just make it all the, that yes, much better? Like it does. It just, it's it does. juicy, right? It does. Technically it's, yeah. I mean, she did it. She made the choice to do it, but it was Count Dooku's orders. 
to, yeah. to kill yeah. him. So she, when, when she first tells him, uh, she doesn't actually admit to it. She's like, oh yeah, Dooku killed him. But then she's like, mm. so he kind of did. It was really me, but he told me yeah. to. So it's like yeah. he did it. Um, yeah. And so like these two, like I said, like, they, like this is the hottest couple in Star Wars. <laughs> I, I think that that's actually just like, I, yeah, it's just right there. This is the, this is the hottest it, couple in Star Wars. It is implied that they do like do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they do the thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so for that, I don't know if I put them above Finn and Poe. I kind of want to, <laughs> you know what I'm going to, because they're ac- they're real. Like that's they're like, that's canon. Together. Yeah. So I am going to, yeah. because they're as hot as Finn and Poe together. But like, like you said, like they actually did it. Like yeah. they actually did the deed. It's canon. They got, they got nasty. Uh, and therefore they win. They win on that front. Okay, so they're currently yeah. our number one, Asajj and Quinlan. With, without saying, I mean, we only know so much anyway, but are you hoping that we, because we know Ventress is, is coming back to Bad yeah. Hatch. Are you hoping there's any Quinlan also? Or do you feel like, no, let Ventress just do her thing. Don't shoehorn in Quinlan. I I'm, I'm praying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm borderline, like almost want Quinlan as much as I want Delta squad now in bad batch. Like I really want Quinlan to show up. I think so. Quinlan is, is, you know, from the Obi-Wan series, we know he's still around. He survived mm. order 66. So we know he's mm-hmm. there. Um, and he is one of the main architects of the path. Right. Like it's like he's he's the one ferrying a lot of these kids across the galaxy and keeping them safe. I. I. Yeah, I mean, like, I want to see I want to see that storyline fulfilled. Um, Tales of the Jedi season two, but sorry, maybe Tales of the Jedi season two. Yeah, I it, it a lot of this hinges on whatever Lucasfilm animation is working on next. If they are working on something that relates into post return of the Jedi, um, Jedi order, I think that you have to bring Quinlan into it. I think you have to bring Coran Horn into it. And I think you have to then also bring Asajj in. I think it's why they are bringing Asajj back in bad batch. I think it's why they're using her is to like, not have all of that happen at once, but to have like Asajj makes her come back in this Quinlan got name dropped as I mean, Corrin Horn didn't get name dropped, but it's written on the wall. He's there. <laughs> right. Um, and it's implied that the kid that, they we see get rescued or not rescued. Like he, that, that, um, um, yeah, that Haja helps. Like it's implied that that's Coran. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, we've kind of had those characters introduced. We'll get Asajj introduced. And then when we do, whether it's, I, uh, I mean, like you could just, wouldn't a, wouldn't path of the Jedi be a great title for a show. Uh, right. Nate. Like, like it, like that would be awesome. And if it was like Path of the Jedi and it was like a parallel thing of like the, the thing that's difficult is that the path is also tied into Cal Kestis. And so, right. Like, does Cal need to show up as well? Um, but if we had a parallel story of like the path and then also of Luke's Academy, 
and these two things happening at once that leads into new Jedi order and the stuff with Ray and that we have established that like Ray actually doesn't have to start from scratch. She just has to find them. Hmm. And that's what she's been doing. She's been like gathering the Jedi, these like disparate Jedi enclaves that are across the galaxy. So like, you could even have it that like Cal has one, Quinlan has one, Luke had one that like that there was more out there that these these Jedi that survived um uh, went off into these different places and we don't know what's happened with Ezra at this point um like like we know where he is in the Mando storyline but we don't know where he is in the sequel timeline so um or Ahsoka right so like what's up with that right so i think i think you could tell some stories in that era in between return of the Jedi and the force awakens with these characters, I would love to see it. And I would love to see Quinlan and Asajj be one of those one. I, I would love to see what their version of the Jedi order looks like. I think that that's actually really interesting because mm. um, you get to play with some of the ideas that they played with in the EU with Jason and Vergeer, right. With like, cause Vergeer was like the, the force is not the light side or the dark side. Like those are constructs that we put on them. Um, the force is, is the light side and the dark side. Both of these things are the force. Right. And so like, that was kind of her whole deal. And then Jason was like, Oh, so we can use both. And then obviously that was a bad idea. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, but to have some characters who have that experience and um, can talk, can speak to that, I think would be really cool. I also would love to see a little bit of the concept fulfilled uh, for what Asajj was meant to be in Star Wars Resistance because she was originally supposed to come back in that and then they they replaced her with another character uh Mika Gray um because they weren't prepared to bring her back yet so I mm. uh, so they created another character that's sort of I mean she is just basically it, it, I will say this you could absolutely we know I uh well I don't know I'd have to I'd have to double check Mika Gray and look her up again. But I think that there's room that you could say that Mika Gray is Asajj Ventress under it. Like, under, like she had, just has a new identity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you could, you could, you know, retcon that and be like, Nope, she was Asajj the whole time. And then all of a sudden resistance <laughs> would be infinitely more interesting. Um, at least those couple of episodes that she's in, but I'd have to, I, it's been so long since I've watched that resistance stuff like four years at this point. So um, I'd have to go back and like revisit it to see if that's actually possible. But, mm. um, but it, but I don't know. It could be fun. It could be fun. You could play with it. I think um, I'm trying to remember if they're both voiced by Nika Futterman. I, <laughs> I don't remember who voices Mika gray in star Wars resistance, but uh, yeah. Okay. I, we placed them on the list already. So, so yeah. we're, we're good to move we're on good. to Cal and Marin. This one's real easy. I mean, like, like we've kind of saved the, the, the bestest ones for last, <laughs> right? Um, Cal and Marin are a fantastic couple. Uh, but I'm a little bit worried that they're doomed. So I'm just going to say this right now. If you haven't played Jedi survivor, we're going to have some spoilers for that. Uh, in this conversation so go play jedi i mean even 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 saying cal and marin is a spoiler but 
I mean, it is, but I've also got Finn and Poe and Din and Bo-Katan on here, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like, like we're kind of playing fast and loose with what it means, but because <laughs> after the first game, everybody was like, these two should be together. Yeah. Um, because she hugged him. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, but I, in Jedi Survivor, that does culminate, right? It, 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 it becomes a thing. And you kind of, uh, uh, did you read Battle Scars? I didn't, and I was going to ask if you did because I th- I think yeah. we had talked briefly about it when we actually talked about playing through the game, and you had kind of given me the premise. But for anyone who did not, yeah, read it or hear that episode, so in Battle Scars, we get a lot of Cal's inner monologue, and Cal's inner monologue is I'm really really hot from Aaron. <laughs> I I it's actually like the majority of his motivation in that novel. Um, I don't think I finished it. I think I've got like two chapters left or something. And then I got distracted by another book and haven't gone back. Um, and then the game came out and it was like, okay, well, I wanted to finish this before the game and whatever. I, I, but Marin has a relationship with somebody else in the novel. Um, and Cal is like very jealous of it, <laughs> which is, it, it actually in, informs a lot of the vibe at the beginning of the game when, when you, they see each other again. Yeah. It's just like awkward. And yeah. yeah. Um, cause she kind of knows like she gets like, she, she's not stupid. He is, he's a, he's a, he's a big dumb <laughs> soft boy, but, but she's a very uh, intuitive, very perceptive individual. So she's like, I recognize that he's sitting over there, like staring daggers at my new girlfriend <laughs> and pining for me. But like, I can't make my decisions based on his inability to deal with his own emotions. Right. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of just frustrated with him. And and I think that what that comes down to is the like, like, if you have a, if you have something to say, say it Cal. Right. And so yeah. eventually they get into the situation in the game where she's like, if you are not going to say anything, like, I'm just going to do this. Right. And so she kisses him <laughs> and, and then, you know, the best sequence in the video game, one of the best sequences in video games yeah. happens after that with the, the, the roller coaster, the, the, the tele the portals roller coaster fighting the, octopus uh droid thing from the clone wars i'm like man <laughs> jedi survivor is so good oh my god what a game that was dude every, i mean i again because this is more thunder quack but like we ate so well last year with video oh games god. and like giant sequences that were like actually good and satisfying yeah. like oh man 2023 was ballistic for good video games anyway sorry go ahead yeah feast and famine though because now we're sitting here two oh, months into God, into 2024 and i'm like our video games <laughs> like, well like next week but yeah, okay. after next week nothing yeah i uh, so cal and Marin, i i like them together a lot uh this was a this was like an otp for me before it was official um and so i was really pulling <laughs> for it so when they kissed in yeah in uh survivor i was like yeah let's go i mean like i was like tingles like tears of joy happy when it (laughs) happened that's not an exaggeration like i was so elated by it and then it was followed by uh just one of my favorite gaming moments of last year if not one of my favorite gaming moments of my life um Yeah. yeah so i don't know i think they're i think they're pretty high up yeah for me too 
I mean, above, honestly, above Asajj and Quinlan, or I yeah, I'd I'd, yeah. I'd rank them one right now for me. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, uh, Kanan and Hera. Damn, <laughs> so so good. I'm They're gonna say so this. Oh, good. They're so good. Kanan and Hera is the best relationship in Star Wars. Yeah. I, it, it it is tragic, but there is nothing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say problematic because I don't think that there's anything problematic with Han and Leia's relationship either, or or you know mm. Obi Wan and Satine. But but like, there's not there aren't the complications as much as there are. As much as like their relationship is something that like they keep on the down low and. Um, it's not really like front and center. It is, it is ever present and it's healthy. It's like, like they're the way that they conceal their relationship is not. There isn't one of them going like, Hey, I can't have people know this. It's both of them going, if this is going to work, we have to keep it to ourselves. Right. Like in, in order for us to be together, this has to be something that is just for us. It can't belong to the rebellion. It can't belong to even the rest of the ghost crew. Right. So it's like, I, I think that uh, like the only ones in the crew who knew that the two of them were together in that way were Sabine and chopper. <laughs> like I think Zeb was yeah, oblivious and Ezra doesn't understand anything about anything. So yeah. um, yeah, like, like it, it like even even with their family it was it was still like a like a you know qt thing uh but but despite all of that their relationship was totally healthy and totally um like uh productive and and um uh, an asset to them both right yeah. although it is what ultimately gets kanan killed I, uh, I mean, like that's Kanan. So this is is the oh, I, I hate that Kanan is dead. The way that Kanan <laughs> yeah. dies is one of the reasons he's one of my favorite characters. It's the reason that he's my number two, right? Like, like what he dies for and how he does it, and the way that it is portrayed is all bundled in there into like like this is why Kanan is my second favorite character and i'm actually right now i'm considering getting a tattoo i want to get a couple of tattoos three in total actually um but the first one that i want to do will probably be Kanan. um it'll be Kanan inspired i don't know exactly how it's how i'm gonna go about it but but yeah like like he is he is it depends on the day of the week. Like Obi-Wan has the top spot because he's Obi-Wan and it's really hard to <laughs> dethrone Obi-Wan. But I feel more deeply connected to Kanan than I do to Obi-Wan. Um, and I think that one of the reasons is this relationship. It is, it's Obi-Wan. <laughs> that wasn't me farting if that picked up my, oh. my very leather chair just rubbed against my desk. I Sorry. don't think it did. <laughs> Uh, Sorry about that, everybody. No, it's okay. Obi Wan, Obi Wan, and we'll talk about it in a second. Like literally next, I <laughs> his tragic love story is is a failure to admit to himself 
like who he is and how he feels. And mm-hmm. I think that ultimately that is what is where he fails and why he fails Anakin. So for Obi-Wan, it's like that relationship is his downfall. I think it's actually his greatest downfall. It's his biggest weakness. Whereas with Kanan being the opposite, having the opposite perspective and right from the get-go in New Dawn, have you read New Dawn? When it, when it came long, out, it's, it's when yeah. with a me, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did read it. I don't remember it that well though. I mean, like from the moment that he sees Hera, he's like this, this woman is <laughs> everything to me. Um, and, and he lives that he lives that his entire life. I, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, like I, like I can, I can relate to that. Um, and, uh, and I find that to be admirable, an admirable quality. Um, even though the Jedi order looks at that as forbidden, um, yeah, well, had that work out for them. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I think, I think that Kanan, I think that Kan- the relationship between with that Kanan shares with Ezra and that Kanan shares with Hera, in fact, like with all of them is the ideal Jedi. I think that mm. Obi-Wan is the, the ideal of what the old Republic Jedi order was meant to be. And if all of them were like him, the order probably wouldn't have fallen, but all of them are not yeah. like him because he's Obi-Wan and he's the ideal. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that Kanan is actually the ideal of what a Jedi should be, which is to say that like, and, and this actually, this, this builds into my philosophy around like what George's original concept for the Jedi were and that the Skywalkers were a family. Um, and, and, like the master Padawan relationship was often a a parent to child relationship. And the relationship between Kanan and Ezra, although he is not his actual son, he is his adopted son, right? He doesn't just take him on as a Padawan. He takes him on as a member of the, of his family as well as everybody else around him. So he is a Jedi amongst the people, not separate and in the order, right? He's not, he's not, um, like secular, right? Like he's, mm. he's, he's like of the world and that, and that makes him a much better Jedi. It's really funny. Cause this actually relates really, really heavily into my relationship with Christianity and my relationship with having worked for the church uh, and a conversation that I had with Carl on the weekend. Um, but <laughs> like, I really like, like in order for a Jedi to be effective, uh, they have to be in touch with the galaxy and the living force. And in order to do that, they have to be in community. They have to be in a family and that family might not necessarily all be Jedi. It, it could be like, it could be a family of Jedi. And I think that that would be totally valid as well, but I think that they should be nomadic. And I think that they should be in, in a, like in a tight community like that where they are serving and, um, and, and a part of, a larger organism as opposed to an organism unto themselves, which is what the Jedi mm. order became that yeah. could then be manipulated by the, the Republic and by Sidious. Right. So my, my philosophy on the Jedi is integrally tied into the relationship between Kanan and Hera, as well as the fact that Kanan is one of my favorite characters, as well as the <laughs> fact that I think that they are the 
best example of a, of a healthy relationship, possibly the only example of a healthy relationship in all of Star Wars. Yeah. I put them at number one right now. I will maintain that they should be at number one by the end of this. Uh, I mean, for sure. Um, for me, for me, like where, where they are right now. I mean, I might have to talk out some of these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, unquestionably right now, number one, um, the thing that I've always really loved about them is that other than the fact that they're, I mean, you already said it, they're space mom and dad, right? Like they're, they're, they're the best parents in star Wars, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, Din is pretty great with Grogu, but like, he's a single dad. I'm talking about like parents, like two making a unit parenting the kids. I think they're, they're the best parents in star Wars. And I really appreciated that. The two of like always communicated, like anytime there was a problem, whether it was with each other or somebody was having doubts about somebody else, one of them would come along, give the other one perspective And then all of a sudden things would be a lot clearer and the new approach that that character would take would then be more informed. And it's because they have that great communication and that trust and that insight. And like, they're, they're just like the, I, yeah, I feel like that could be my number one by the end of this too. Um, Yeah, man, they're, 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 (laughs) it's like when you, um, in like in real life, when when you meet that couple that like are so awesome together and you're like that's relationship goals right there that's the two of yeah. these yeah 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 i uh, yeah and and one of the most fun things about it is that like it was there from the beginning it was baked yeah. into their characters yeah. because new dawn came out before the series but it's even it's in the prologue stuff the mm. the 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 mini episodes the introducing the characters it's there yeah. Like if you go back and you watch those those prologues, those character introductions, there are hints of it in there and there's stuff all over season one. So like this was not a thing that happened. This was baked into how these characters were written. And if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I think it's probably very reflective of Dave Filoni's relationship with his wife, who every time he talks about her, talks about her in like a very like she's like like she's like his best sounding board and you know best supporter and all of that sort of thing so i think that he he cooked a lot of that relationship i mean that's what we do as 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 creators and storytellers right is Mm. is that well you know that's that's how you get there is you take your experiences and you you put that in there um so yeah i i would imagine that that's very much tied into that and it's one of the reasons why it's so authentic i think and and it comes across in the way that it does Awesome. Okay, Kanan and Hera, they're currently at number one. Obi Wan and Satine. Now, I love this relationship, and I love the two of them together. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, is it fraught. <laughs> it's 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 a rough one. This, I mean, this is one I would love to see on Tales of the Jedi. I don't, I don't think we ever will. But I want to see them meeting and, you know, flirty yeah. and and how she, how she got the scar when he dropped her. Like I, I love, yeah, I love the two of them together, but obviously they don't make it. They don't make it. And they, they don't make it because Obi-Wan chooses not to. And she essentially chooses not to because 
he he says, oh, well, if you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. But like, that's probably not how she wanted him to do it. She didn't want him to do it because she asked. I'm sure she would want him to do it because he chose to do it. Um, so, yeah, they're as much as I love them as characters as, as a couple that doesn't really work. Yeah, it's it is. As I said before, like this, this relationship and its failure mm-hmm. to me is one of the most important pieces of the Clone Wars that we didn't have before yeah. that informs Revenge of the Sith and yeah. everything that comes after it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it was not mentioned in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, I think is, is oh, criminal offensive. <laughs> yeah. Criminal. criminal. Um, because in my opinion, one of the reasons why Obi-Wan is able to look past and ignore the warning signs in relation to Padme is because of his own feelings towards Satine. And, Mm -hmm. and so, I mean, we know from the final season of Clone Wars that Obi-Wan knew, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's academic at this point. It's not something that we like that's implied. It's, it's something that is almost stated. Uh, he's turning a blind eye. And at that point in the story, and especially like Obi-Wan's character in Revenge of the Sith becomes very, very like, uh, very tragic, very sad when you put into context that like, like within the last year or so, his, the only love of his life, the true. Well, actually that's not necessarily true. Cause there's also the one from when he was a Padawan in those, uh, you know, teen books, but um, those like early, not, they're not early readers. They're like middle grade mm-hmm. uh, novels about him as a Padawan. But um, he, he like, he lost the love of his life in the most tragic way possible. Yeah. And he is, although not responsible, he is also directly responsible, right? His inability to stop Maul and I, uh, uh, and the fact that, I mean, like, l- listen, I, I don't, I don't think that we can blame Obi-Wan. He cut the dude in half. Um, <laughs> and then he came back. Then there were two of them now. <laughs> and the other one was even bigger. Um, and, and Maul had Raptor robot legs. Like, there's a lot of reasons why, why Obi-Wan was not able to deal with Maul. Um, and then he had to deal with, with the Mandalorians and Maul at the same time. Mm. Right. But the reason why Satine is murdered is, is because Maul is getting revenge. Yeah. So it is, it is a direct result of the actions of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, Obi-Wan mm. is doing what he thinks is right in those moments. And so, you know, but again, this is ultimately the failing of the Jedi is that like they seek violent solutions to violent problems and like their, their way of dealing with the Sith was not a good way of dealing with the Sith. And it's one of the reasons why the Jedi order falls. So all of that is tied into it. Um, and when you watch Revenge of the Sith now, and he's like, happy-go-lucky, another happy landing. <laughs> oh, you've earned your time with the politicians. Yeah. That's I, When you're watching that the first time in 2000 and, what is it, 2005? Yeah. Um, you're going like, oh, that's just charming old Obi-Wan. When you watch it now, it's like, oh, Buddy's got the mask up heavy. 
(laughs) They are in the middle of a war where he has seen hundreds of his friends die. Thousands, if you include the clone troopers, right? Like he doesn't have personal relationships with, but, but he does have a connection to, he has shut off his ability to empathize and, and feel pain to the degree that he is ignoring the biggest threat in front of him, which Mm. is Anakin about to fall to the dark side. Right. Like, and, and so um, in the same way that Luke cuts himself off from the force, I feel like Obi-Wan like, like as a result of this loss, which is one of the reasons why attachment is forbidden and all of that. Right. Because, but this happens because the Jedi order doesn't teach them how to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Right. Because it, it, um, like abstaining is never a great way of learning to deal with a problem. <laughs> you have to meet the problem head on, right? Um, just trying to quit alcohol cold turkey, right, is not a great solution. The 12 step program, things like Alcoholics Anonymous, they work because you are meeting it head on and you're confronting it and you're in community and there are other people to support you, right? But if you just try and go cold turkey, it's very difficult, right? It's never a solution to not be prepared to face the demons that that you're going to have to face in your life. Like you mm. should you should always meet that stuff head on, and you should, if you're in the position of teaching other human beings how to deal with stuff, like you should not avoid things in that way. Um, and so the Jedi Order they taught him they taught this is what they taught him. He he is like I said he is the ideal of what the Jedi Order expects a Jedi to be. And that's where it's like, like he doesn't leave the Jedi order. And, but he says to her, like, if you had said the word, I would have left. And Mm. Satine's response is that's exactly why I never did. Like, that's exactly why I never did because like, they need you more than I need you. And the galaxy needs you more. You know, these two, it's just like, come on, you guys. Um, (laughs) They both would have been better people had they embraced this relationship and lived in it instead of, instead of, denying their feelings right but i yeah so i don't know like i love it because i love what it does for obi-wan's story and when i watch the obi-wan series the sadness that he is experiencing is not just about anakin it is also about that it's about the republic it's about everything that he stood for no longer existing and it's about his inability now to like to do anything to take any action and that's where leia comes in and heals him and that's why that's that series is so so good in my opinion like from a from a writing standpoint it is a beautiful story because it's so transformative for him i really really wish that this relationship was at least mentioned um (laughs) yeah but that's why we need a season two that's why we need a season two with Quinlan, because Quinlan needs to be the one to tell him these things. Quinlan needs to be the one to say to him, like, hey, you dealt with that Anakin thing, and that's great. I'm happy for you. But, like, you got to confront this. You have to, you, and because something has to have changed in him between the end of the Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith, and when he sees Maul. Because, like, the last time he saw Maul between Rebels and Clone Wars was when Maul killed Satine. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he, like, meets Maul and is, like, level-headed and um, 
empathetic and and actually like gentle and caring towards him something happened there yeah. some story has to have happened in between and and i and so he has to deal with that there has to be a story where he deals with that i uh, it has to exist and it does not yet and so um i hope that they make it i'm available guys i've never written a tv <laughs> show before but i could do it um I say that all the time but but yeah i i'll i'll give dave a call after this and yeah do that tell for him me, what's what uh, okay, so the question becomes where where do they sit in this ranking? For me, they kind of they kind of land with Han and Kira. For me, they're above Han and Kira. Okay. Yep. I agree. I agree. Okay. Cool. Do we want to get into this one? <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much time. There's only so much time. So yeah. now we got to talk about Raylo. We got to talk about Raylo. The last two will be easy, but but we got to talk about Raylo. So you have an opinion. I sure do <laughs> on Kylo Ren. I sure do. And that opinion, I think, is a subject for an episode all on its own. So I don't <laughs> want to get too deep into this. Okay. But I will say that. Similar to the Dinbo thing, I think I think that you are taking things a little bit too literally. And I think that you're applying some real world stuff to mythic archetypes. And and I and I don't think that that's a necessarily appropriate or healthy way to engage with with mythic storytelling. Okay. I think it's it's I'll put it on this level. If you are reading Greek myth those characters do all sorts of atrocious things Mm -hmm. and yet some of them are still called heroes and we're fine with that. And um, the romances are still the romances that are in there. And, and I, the, the, the character traits are heightened. They are arch because of the medium, because of the type of story that it is. And this is a really great example of that is that like Kylo Ren is, is a very heightened villain, even by star Wars standards. Um, but there is also a great deal of, um, logic and, I think there's a lot of empathy that needs to be like shown to the character. I think that's what Ray does. I think that I think that that the transformation in the last Jedi is that Ray begins to have empathy for him and you know see things from his perspective. And and I think that when you do that, I I, I think the core here is that you have a problem with the last Jedi. And no, and, and it is it is not the last Jedi. I mean, I no, don't like the last Jedi, but that's not the core of the problem. I promise you. But no, but it is because you like you, your issue, no, it it is, it is. Let, let, let me, let me get through this because I, cause, cause I, I, I understand where you're at. Cause I was there before. Like I felt the same way of like, he is abusive. He is controlling and manipulative. He gaslights her. He does do all of these things, Mm -hmm. but there's a dynamic that you have to play into this. You can't infantilize Ray 
first and foremost. When he does these things, he fails every time. It never works, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So he negs her and he and he gaslights her and every time, like like that first that very first time when he's like like before he goes into her mind, right? To to pull out the location on the map, like to 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 pull the map out. She's she's affected by it, right? But then the second that she sees even just the smallest glimpse of who he is on the inside, that he's a scared child, it flips. The power dynamic flips and it never goes back. She's in control for the rest of the story, mm-hmm. right? So when he then tries to like say stuff about, you know, like, I mean, he said the stuff about Han Solo or whatever, and that gets to her. But then like everything else that he says to her after that is like, he's just like, you're just afraid that you'll never be as powerful as Darth Vader. Like you're just a, you're just a sad little boy. And like, you just, you just want your mommy and daddy. And like, she just shuts him down. He never after that has any power. So, um, to me, the dynamic completely changes. And this is, this is something that like I had to like come to and understand and, 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 uh, it's not necessarily surface. Um, but it is all there in, in the force awakens like and and i denied it for a long time but but my co-host on quiver as well as uh, on on the the old version of the thundercrack podcast amanda she was a raylo from day one like literally from day one from the first time that she saw the force awakens she was like they're gonna kiss and i was like you're crazy he's the bad guy and and then you know like i had all of my opinions on it and stuff and then i stepped in it on twitter one day and and the raylos like came after me um and that was when i like what had to confront the reality that that my perspective was incredibly flawed because i was looking at ray as a victim in all of it and when i looked at ray as a victim it was very easy to look at kylo ren as a monster but the second that you shift it and you realize that like ray is a woman with her own agency and more power than kylo ren more power than ben solo more power than palpatine right like i when you shift it and you start to look at it from that perspective you start to see Ben Solo as the character that he actually is. And there's also an aspect of Star Wars. We do it with Vader. We did it with Asajj. We do it with a lot of characters in Star Wars. Their dark side persona is not who they are. It's a, it's a shadow version, right? And it's, it's because it's mythic storytelling they are one in the same, but they are alternate versions of the character, right? So when Vader sacrifices himself to to defeat Palpatine and comes back as Anakin and we see his force ghost at the end, like we accept that and it's and and we're actually happy about it. It's it's, it's fulfilling. It's the point of it. Now, the sequel trilogy does not do a good job of getting us there. Right. There's a lot of extra work that has to be done. So this is a failing of those movies of all three of them. As much as I love The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, it is a failing of all three movies that they this was not the plan from the beginning. And they did not have there was not a goal in telling the story. Right. And there wasn't a goal in telling the story in the original trilogy until Empire. Right. When which is why A New Hope has none of it. Like there's very very like Vader and Anakin are different characters in that movie. 
until the point that Empire comes out and retcons it and they're the same guy, right? Like I like I firmly believe that, and if you look at the original screenplay, they are separate characters. Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker are not the same person. Um, like, in fact, they, they are they are both in the movie in the first draft. Um, if you read the Star Wars, like they like they're 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 separate people, um, and and eventually George merges them together. But when he hits Empire, he he has an idea, and the idea is the redemption of Darth Vader. Like that's ultimately where this story is going to go, and that's what's going to save the galaxy, right? Not murdering him but saving him redeeming him um and then i i am of the personal belief that the sequel trilogy was meant to be the first half of two trilogies and that the marching orders that ryan johnson was working with were that this trilogy is going to end off with kylo ren as the supreme leader in the place of palpatine and vader like like a combination of the two characters and like he will be the ultimate bad guy in star wars and then we'll come back and we'll do three more movies with these characters because we've invested in them and we want them to be on lunch boxes and stuff and in those three movies, he'll be redeemed. And so we'll have three movies to do it. And instead, after The Last Jedi and Solo, they went, we need to pivot away from the legacy characters. Wrap it up. It's the end of the Skywalker saga. And they and they they booted Trevorrow and they brought J.J. Abrams back. And that like messed up the whole thing. And so we get this like microwaved version of a redemption arc for Kylo Ren that that then makes it very it's a hard pill to swallow but not because of the things that the character has done because of the way that his redemption was executed <laughs> she stabs him and he becomes a good guy again and it doesn't make any sense and it's not earned and it's poorly executed in like textbook fashion if you wanted like like terrio is the worst writer in hollywood and there are a lot of bad writers in hollywood but he's the worst because he gets the opportunity to work with the best things and just like absolutely whiffs it. Like it, like the table is set and he messes it all up. So I think all of that contributes into a perspective on these two characters that is held by a lot of people. Cause I, I would say that it's kind of 50, 50 actually, it's probably like split three ways of people like me who are Raylos and are very much invested in the two of them together. People like you who are like, no, never. And then people in the middle who are like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the Harrison um, Fords. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're probably the best off those people in the middle. Yeah. The Ben do let's people call them. No, no real opinion on it. Yeah. But, but, um, but I do think, if you've read the rise of Kylo Ren and if you've really like studied that, like the dynamic between Ray and Ben from like the last Jedi in particular, um, it, it, it becomes very clear to me that like he is a, he's a sympathetic character. He is, he is, he wasn't originally meant to be, and Adam Driver has talked about that, that originally he was meant to be seen as the bad guy, viewed as the bad guy. But then The Last Jedi kind of changed that. And then, and then you know, Rise of Skywalker cements it, right? But I think what Ryan was trying to do was to give us 
a connection into his grief into like it, it gave us that window to Ben Solo that allowed us to understand the darkness that was Kylo Ren. Um, but then, but then it just, it just, it doesn't get followed up on in the right way. And I think as a result, it, you end up with this muddled story with that character who is not then later viewed as the, uh, like honestly, the bad guys in this story, dude. At are some point, not... you got to give me a chance to respond. You're yeah, yeah. so much at me, man. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, this is my last point. This is this is what, I'll, this is what I'll, I'll end on. The okay. bad guys in the story, and I think this is what it comes down to for me. The bad guys in the story of Kylo Ren are not even Palpatine and Snoke. The bad guys in that story are Leia and Han. It's really, really hard to swallow, but it's true because Leia. If you, if you, this is all, it, it sucks because so much of this is EU garbage. It's like, it's all in books and stuff and it's not in the movies, but it is in the canon story. If you read Bloodline, Leia is more concerned with her political career than she is with raising a kid. Han is floundering being a dad and gets no support from her. She just ignores it because she's dealing with this political stuff that ends up blowing up in her face because her vader as her father is revealed and like that takes over everything right and ultimately because of that like the two of them fail ben and then they try and offload it onto luke and it's not his responsibility and he's got enough on his shoulders this entire galaxy and then and then when you add in the complication on top of that that the presence that he feels when he looks inside ben's mind is palpatine who should be dead right but is like is the darkest presence in the entire galaxy. And he looks inside Ben's mind and he goes and he immediately reacts to that. As I've said on podcast before, the same way that he does on the second death star, he ignites that lightsaber without thinking, right? That all of those emotions come flooding back to me. That's my read of that scene. And then you've got Ben who is just like a child at the mercy of all of these adults who can't handle their own business you know and and palpatine and snoke come in and take advantage of that so yes they are monsters and they are villains in that but like the the table is set there by han and leia and and there's a great scene in last shot uh, which is the the tie-in novel to solo of all things there's a there's a great scene with lando and ben Lando calls him little starfighter. And uh, there's this great moment between the two of them. Like Han is having the roughest time with this kid. He just does not know what he's doing. Uh, and Lando shows up and instantly knows how to handle a kid and like gives Ben the love and the nurturing and the care that he's craving. And like, you see it in this, in this scene. And it's like, when I put that in perspective to everything else that I've just said, it's like, if not for his really, really crappy parents who are two adults who couldn't figure themselves out, much less figure out raising a kid, uh, he probably would not have fallen to the dark side and he would have been the most powerful Jedi the galaxy had ever known. Um, but instead, the story goes the way that it does. So 
Um, so yeah, I, it, it's tragic. And then Ray brings him back. And, and that to me, uh, she does it out of love and compassion because she sees what he is. He sees, she sees him for who he truly is, which is to say like that broken kid, but also with a capacity for love and caring that, that, um, the, that is the counter. It's the flip side to the anger and the, and the pain that he brings. So, um, yeah. Okay, I'm done. You can talk now. You sure threw a lot at me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to counter everything because I'm not going to remember everything to counter. Um, look, man, it it does not stem from Last Jedi. It does not stem from Ray's a victim. I don't think Ray's a victim. Ray's never a victim. Ray barely has any struggles in these movies, and that's my problem with Ray as a character. Um the the issue i have is that i think it would have worked a lot better if she brought him back and forgave him and that was it and then he went off and did his ronin thing and went and like healed the galaxy one person at a time if he was literally ronin from star wars visions that would have been the perfect ending to ben in my opinion and that's a story i would have loved to have followed but the way it stands is he spent two and a half movies trying to kill Ray. doesn't matter if he's able to kill Ray. It's that he was trying to kill Ray. Like he kidnapped Ray. He invaded her mind without her consent. He literally tried to kill her three times. He's constantly manipulating her and gaslighting her. Like you said, like, yeah, I get it. We don't have to take these things as literally as we do a, a more grounded in reality story. But the fact remains, anybody who tries to do this to you, it's kind of weird that you fall in love with them. Like, I just, I, it, it just doesn't click for me. It just doesn't make sense. If any of your friends were dating a guy who was doing these things, you would say, get the hell away from this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't date this guy. Are you insane? Like, no, no rational minded person would do that. And that's the problem that I have with it is Ray's not a victim, but it's almost like this weird domestic violence thing going on where she just like, no matter what he does, she keeps, oh no, he's good. He didn't mean it. He's really a nice, like, I hate it. I hate, I hate the message that it sends. It makes no sense to me. And like, this is a rhetorical question because like, I, I know we're running out of time here, but like, if, if you're telling me that she loves him because she feels sorry for him, because up until the point where they actually kiss, the only thing he does for her is show up at the end and help her kill Palpatine. Other than that, what is, what is there to love about him? All I see when I see Ben Solo and Ray are the horrible things that he did to her up until the point where he's like, hey, yeah, I, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done any of that stuff. And like. When people say stuff like, oh, well, you know, Darth Vader was redeemed and we gave him a pass, like kind of, but like. I wouldn't suggest that Padme go back to Anakin either if he, like, were still alive. Because, like, he did some pretty terrible things to her included, like, as well as everybody. Like, yeah, 
it's one thing to genuinely be sorry for horrible, unspeakably evil things that you've done to the people that you love and the galaxy at large. And it's like to to be genuinely remorseful for those things and to change your ways and honestly, like, r- redeem your actions. I mean, there really is no redemption if we're going to be honest about that stuff. But there is something to say about it's never too late to change the person that you're going to be, right? You you can't change the past. You can only do what you can in the present and with your future. But, like, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you should have to have, like, a relationship with that person moving forward. In fact, it's probably wise not to. I mean, there's a case to be made that, like, well, part of forgiving someone is giving them that second chance in that clean slate. But, like... Maybe not for Space Hitler. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe it's not that smart to do that. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, it just, it doesn't click for me. And I, I, I can, I can totally get behind her, just like Luke, saying, no, there, there is good in him. That Like, it's there. I sense it. I see it. I understand I understand who he is as a person. I understand how he ended up down this way. I ended. I under, I also can even understand that there's the capacity for every single human being to end up like Ben Solo or to end up like Darth Vader. Like nobody's nobody's perfect. As soon as people get hungry, they can do horrible, horrible things, right? Just to like not be hungry and like save their family and and all that stuff. So it's certainly not coming from like a judgmental place of like, well, he just sucks and like that's it. It but it's once once you become that person, how reliable of a person are you once you come back? It's one of those things where, okay, he comes back. If you told me, okay, let's say for a second that Ben survived, did his Ronin thing, and in the Ray movie, came back, and then in the Ray movie, they got together. That I'm behind. That would make more sense to me. But because of the way that it happened, and I really, it's the storytelling part of, like, what happened. Because it was just so, like, immediately, like, oh, I knew he was great. I knew I could fix him. Smooch. Like, I love him. He didn't do anything to earn that love. He was just, like, a project. She pitied him. And, like, understood where he was coming from like what what do you love about him what good thing he's not doing anything good like yeah maybe it's in there deep down but he's not doing anything good he's a horrible horrible person and it's just like oh he came back and rescued me i knew he'd save me because i wouldn't have been able to do it without him that's the only time she feels like a victim to me the one time in the entire trilogy where it felt like oh ray isn't going to be able to do this thing on her own is when he showed up and like like I hate it dude I hate it so much like I I, I almost swore just now <laughs> I hate this character dynamic and I hate even more that from well before we got to this point that people like they're gonna be amazing together I don't know man I hate it <laughs> I really really do I will say okay so I'm only gonna say two things to, oh to, my God. to counter <laughs> oh my no God. they're sh- they're short okay the first one is super short 
this type of romance isn't for you. And it's I, not. and I, and I think that like, not. like It'll never not, be. not even in the sense of like, it's not your taste, right? Mm. It is, it is specifically not designed for you. It is, it is a, it is a type of romance that is designed for uh, generalizing here, but like it is designed for a female audience. And so you and I, um, with our lived experience, not going to vibe with it in the way that, that a lot of women in Western culture are going to. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's, that's number one. So, um, there's a little bit of like, you have to step outside yourself and, and really, really like listen to other perspectives in order to, to appreciate the elements of this story that, that do work and the elements of the romance that do work. Um, the, the other part of it is, is that like, like, Ultimately, I think you and I are in agreement on a lot of this, which is that like, yeah, it it is a broken story because it's not told properly. So it's mm. it's not complete, but there is a potential there that I see and that I appreciate. Um, and there was a version of the two of them getting together that 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 would have worked. Um, but unfortunately we have rise of Skywalker and we have to live with rise of Skywalker. We always will. Um, it's, this isn't, this isn't, you know, a, a, a comic book issue that can get retconned in 10 years. Um, cause Mephisto waves his hand, right? Like, like the star Wars canon is the star Wars canon. And if it's in a movie, then it's in a movie and it's kind of indelible. So, um, so that kind of, it kind of sucks in that way. Right. But, um, Yeah. I don't know if you're not into if there's not a part of you that's into like the the like the monster thing then you know like if if you don't if 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 you don't engage with like romance on that level then I don't know that I'll ever get you there but Dude, it's so weird though cuz like Beauty and the Beast love yeah. that movie okay I don't know I don't, it's just it's he does so many horrible things to her over the course of three movies that I'm just he like, does. Screw this he guy. does screw he this does. guy. It's not even because like Beauty and the Beast is different, right? Like, yeah, he's mean at first and then he's like soft with her and it's a very gradual thing. But like, I think so. Yeah, that was that was so, the other thing. like whiplash in yeah. this story. So that, that was my other thing is that it's not I don't it's not that she sees. The, the, when I say that, like, she looks in his mind and, and especially like when, when, when he's telling her about, about what Luke did and his perspective on it, she sees an insight and when they touch hands, right. Mm -hmm. She sees an insight into him of like, of how he got to be the way that he is. That gives her the empathy to then see the potential of, of who he should have been, if not for all of these people that let him down. Right. And I think the reason why they are connected both like in terms of like a romantic story, as well as mythically as a dyad is because she relates to that pretty hard, right? Who would Ray have been if her parents had been different people, right? Mm -hmm. Like if her parents had had the ability to raise her the way that she deserved to be raised and she wasn't left on Jakku with Unkar Plutt. And like, I mean, like, listen again, another place where trust just completely fails these characters and their stories is that none of it makes any sense. None of Ray's story at that point makes any sense, but yeah. 
the way in which she was like, like her parents needed to, they need, they needed to be nothing. They needed to be filthy junk traders that, that traded her for booze. Right. Like that, that her being Ray, nobody worked so much better for her story, especially her connection into Kylo and into Ben, because it's like, he came from everything and she came from nothing. And yet like they were both failed by their, by their parents and that's how they ended up where they are. Um, and that's the connection. That's the dyad, right? Um, her parents being like these wonderful, loving people that were just, it was just circumstance. So the, like leave her with somebody that's not a disgusting blob fish yeah. that's going to treat her like <laughs> crap. Like, why did you like, and I'm sorry, but nothing that they've put out so far justifies any of that. As much as there are people out there that want to tell you that Shadow of the Sith somehow fixes Tross. It doesn't. It is just 600 pages of, yeah, but there, but the dagger is the key. That doesn't explain anything. We knew that the dagger was a MacGuffin. Telling us that the dagger was a MacGuffin for 13 hours of a book doesn't fix that story. Telling us that her parents were wonderful people doesn't fix that story. <laughs> it actually makes it make less sense. Why would they do that? Telling us that Luke was that close to her and then just ignored that fact and was just like, huh? Well, well, I guess I've got other stuff going on. Makes that story worse. It makes Luke a worse character, right? Like it just everything in that book to me, like it, it, that book was was given an, uh, an edict of like you got to do a certain thing, and as a result, it it ends up being what it is. But anyways, we got we got we have to talk about the last two. We we will, but real quick, uh, yeah. what I because like as you were talking, I kind of like it occurred to me, I would really I would have really liked it if they had this toxic relationship and leaned into it, right? Like yeah, yeah, all yeah. of the everybody <clears throat> knows you should not be you know doing this with this guy and like. Have him be that narcissistic, manipulative dude. Because, like, I mean, I don't know if everybody has experienced this, but, like, I've been with someone who's a really bad fit for me. And, like, you're just, you're, you're, you're focused on the wrong things. And what works for you really works. And you're ignoring all the bad things. That would have been a more interesting story for me for her to overcome that and find mm. the strength to get out of that. That mm. would have been awesome to me. But instead, we got what we got. Yeah, I mean, had had they had they stuck to their guns, had they fulfilled this the first sequel trilogy, and had and left him as the emperor at yeah. the end of it, um, and then come back and done three more stories, and in those three more stories, we got like I I agree, like I think some of that dynamic would have been good. I think her her not giving up on him. And and Finn and Poe being like, come on. Yeah. Come right? on. That right? would have been awesome. And but then that's the like, tension between them. Like, that would have been yeah. awesome. Yeah. And 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 then and then you have flirtation with the dark side on, on Ray's part because she's like she feels isolated and that sort of thing. Like you could you could have told a really, really great story with those characters. I also this is the other piece that I would have put in that I think would have gone a long way in making been a sympathetic character i would have built in a connection between poe and ben that because their parents knew each other their parents were in fact friends right i i kess dameron was part of the strike team on endor he was part of han solo's rebel team right like they like they worked hand in hand 
I uh, what is is it um Shattered Empire? Yeah, Shattered Empire is the comic series that's like mm. picks up at the in the Battle of Endor and then like goes on after that to the Battle of Jakku, right? Um and tells the story of of Kes Dameron and um Shara Bay, opposed parents in relation to everybody else. Shara had a relationship with with Luke, like they were friends, and Kes had a relationship with Han, and they both knew Leia, right? And so it is logical to me that Ben and Poe grew up around each other. And so I would have, like, I would love to write a story. They ruined Poe's backstory and trust as well. They ruined so many things. I would love to write a story or to have a story of, like, Ben would go to Yavin basically for, like, summer break. Because, like, <laughs> Yavin was kind of like this like this bustling new I, I, I settlement and that's where Poe grew up. Right. Was on Yavin for. So um, I would have had, I, I would have loved to have had a story where, where Poe and Ben were like kids, like, like at a perfect, like Dennis, the menace mischievous age and like went into a, a Masasi temple and like interacted with like some ancient Sith stuff. And you got like hints of Ben's future and all of that sort of thing, but that you established this, this relationship between the two of them, that they were like best friends at a certain point, right? Like, like summer camp buddies. Right. And that Kylo knows that when he's got Poe Dameron in that chair in the force awakens. And so when he's saying like, Oh, I didn't know the, resistance's best pilot was on board right like he's he's doing that but like poe doesn't know that kylo ren is ben and so at a certain point in the story you get to reveal that to poe and then you get to see poe wrestle with that of like mm. well we can't kill him right like like if if it would have been poe dameron being like we have to do something like after Leia dies, it's like, we have to bring him back. Right. It's like, they, like, like, like Vader came back. Why can't he come back? Right. Instead of it being Ray, I think that would have been so much better and so much more interesting for the audience. And then everybody could have like gone with Ray on a journey of like doing that. Anyways, that's, that's how I would have done it <laughs> over the course of another three movies. But in any case, I, I think we're putting them Underneath Luke and Mara Jade and above Dean and Bo. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm fine with that. Anakin and Padme, Han and Leia. Are we, are we, Han and Leia, we don't even need to discuss. Han and Leia are yeah. pretty perfect. I mean, what they did to them in the sequel trilogy, I think is unfair to the characters. Yep. But if we're going to talk about original trilogy, they're the template, right? Yeah. They're awesome. I mean, I do have problems with mm -hmm. Han not always taking no for an answer, uh, but you know, yeah, different different times. It's yeah, fine. absolutely. But uh, yeah, uh, d d just Han and Leia. They're 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 Star Wars romance, right? They're, they're I think the, I think I think the, the good thing about Han and Leia is the stuff that happens off screen in between A New Hope and Empire, and I think that that the murkiness of that informs a lot of Han's behavior, Han, Han's, Han, uh, Han's behavior. Yeah. Han's behavior in empire. And so the stuff that you're talking about, like the not taking no for an answer, the like, Oh, like, 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 Oh, you like me because I'm a scoundrel. Like uh, that whole scene, which is like one of the best scenes with the two of them. But like, I take mm. your meaning on it of like, yeah, it is like he, she is saying go away and mm. he is saying, 
no, you want this. And it <laughs> yeah. is a little, it is a little <laughs> bit creepy. Mm-hmm. The way it can work is if she's the one who came on to him before yeah. that like started this whole thing. It mm-hmm. like when they ran into that bounty hunter on Ord Mantell and all of that stuff, when all of that was going on. And th- I think there is a story where like the two of them, I think it's when they like, they, they discover Hoth and I think they like crash and they're like stuck in a thing. I, I, it, maybe it's like a, I don't, it's not a star Wars tales. Cause you would know that if it were, no, um, that is not in star Wars tales, but I think that there's a story somewhere of the, like how, like what happened between the two of them that like caused this tension that we see at the beginning of empire. Um, and for me, it would be like, yeah, if, if they were like in that situation and she was the one who leaned in first, right. Like a was, very, a very like Ross a, and Rachel thing, like on friends. Um, wasn't there a Valentine's day, like one-off, I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Because I remember yeah. them like, like a in comic, a blanket right? together on the cover. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, looks spicy. Yeah. So to me, it's like if if you if you put that context on there that like that like she initiated things with Han, that like he was very much like like listen, like, you know, like the attitude that he has in a new hope where he's like, come on, man. Um, <laughs> like, like stop giving me such a hard time. If, if they were then in that scenario and she like leaned in and kissed him and that was the thing that like clicked for him. And he was like, Oh, 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 this is a, this thing between us. Isn't, we don't hate each other. We love each other. Right. <laughs> so then when he's like, come on, like you're lying to yourself. Right. Like, cause that's what he's saying to her is like, you've got this idea of like, you're this princess and you have to be these things to all of these people, but you don't have to be that with me. Right. And I think that's ultimately what makes them work together. I think that that's the, I, I, that's where their relationship dynamic works. And it becomes when he stops being Han Solo and has to then become general solo and then Ben's father and all of this stuff, that's where their relationship ends up breaking down. Is that like, he ex- like like when he accepts her life and leaves his behind that he can, he can only sustain that for so long and eventually he has to go right mm-hmm. um and so he goes off and he does his racing thing and he's never around and that leads to ben not having a father figure and ben going down the path that he goes down which then ultimately is what splits the two of them right so mm-hmm. it's a uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think if anything, the, the the one who gets the short shrift by the end of that relationship is absolutely Han. And we see that in The Force Awakens. Right. When she's like, oh, new jacket. And he's like, no, it's the same jacket. <laughs> or, or she's like, same jacket. He's like, no, it's new. Yeah. It's new. Well, yeah, the way around. It's like, no, it's new. And it's like, she just like, she just. Uh, I think that she takes Han for granted for who he is. A lot of this is in Last Shot. So if people haven't read Last Shot. There's a lot in that one where it's like where Han's inner monologue is sort of expressing that like this life that they've built together, as much as it's everything that he ever wanted, like he doesn't have a wife. He has a chancellor, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. like, like they are not together. She goes off to, to run the galaxy and he's left to raise a kid by himself. And then he eventually abandons that to go race. And then they just leave the kid with a droid, Right. Um, so yeah, like, like, I don't know, like Leia kind of ignores all of those familial relationships. She makes the mistake 
that the Jedi made. <laughs> it's it's actually interesting because <laughs> I don't think that any of that is intentional. I think that that's just sort of like they put them in a position because they had to in order to like they contrive this this thing with with Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. That then you have to have other authors go back and and other storytellers fill in the blanks. But um, where do we put them under Han under Kanan and Hera? Yeah, I think so. I love I love me some Callan Marin, but. <laughs> how dare you ray and ben yeah that's what was that's what was in my uh, uh clipboard um okay so anakin and padme anakin and padme anakin Dude. and padme anakin Dude. and padme <laughs> he kills her and he's yeah. super jealous and never trusts her during the clone wars with rush quote like <laughs> they suck so so they they are star-crossed lovers they suck Right. That's why their love theme, love theme is across the stars. This is this is very much in the text. They actually don't love each other. Hmm. I think that they love each other in a way. I think they care about each other. But I think I mean, I that they are. Like, yeah. I think that they are infatuated with one another. Yes. And I think that they represent things to one another that that they are in love with. But that it is ultimately the reason why it's a a tragic like destined tragic relationship is because they are, they do not actually know one another. Yeah. Right. They, they have, they each have an idea of the person they think they're in love with. And I think that all that stuff in revenge of the Sith, where it's where he's like, no, it's only because I love you so much. And she's like, Oh, so love has blinded you. And it, it, it like all of that stuff back and forth. It's like, so you guys know, you guys know that this actually isn't working, right? <laughs> like, like you're like deep down. I think both of them are fully aware that, that this is like a teen infatuation that has gone way too far, but they're both so pot committed that there's no pulling out of the tailspin. Yeah. There's just not like when, especially like once she's pregnant, right? Like, like that's where it, it just becomes the thing of like, well, now Palpatine's got everything he needs. Now he's got, that's the last piece. <laughs> and now you're totally screwed guys. Like the galaxy is done because you guys couldn't keep it in your pants. Um, And yeah, it's like, like that her confession on Geonosis of like, like I've been in love with you since we, you know, that kiss that we never should like all of that stuff. It's like, like, no, you guys are aware you're, you guys are aware, but it's dangerous and it's secret and it's exciting. And it's, you're in the middle of the war. So you never actually have to face any of it because he's off fighting a war and man, he could die. Might not be a problem mm. for much longer. Right. Like, I think like that, like there is an element there of them just being like, their 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 weekend boyfriend girlfriend that are married <laughs> right um and they rush yeah into i it. mean basically yeah so, there's almost a codependency to them oh a thousand percent a thousand percent it's a codependent relationship yeah because he well, feels well, i don't think i don't think Padme has like a lot of the telltale signs of like the person who is needed because like a lot of the times it's like they just need to be needed right because they have like low self-esteem or whatever, but mm -hmm. um, Anakin like literally kills all his friends because he can't lose Padme. Like, 
and and does terrible, terrible, terrible things because he can't live without her. I think I think that Padme's uh, the, the the deleted scenes from Attack of the Clones actually like give you so much insight into this and like her family and her past and stuff. So I hate that they're not in there. Um, but her she hmm, how crass can I be on this podcast? I. <laughs> She is with Anakin because she needs a big man with 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 the ability to uh, keep her satisfied and at an arm's length. She specifically is with Anakin because she's not supposed to be. Mm. And that's where the codependency comes in, is that like she is absolutely using him for his lightsaber. Uh, (laughs) And. And I don't think that she's aware of it. Like, I don't think that she's done the introspection to know that that's what's going on in her own head because she's busy trying to save the galaxy from the separatists and, you know, the, all of this stuff that's going on. So the two of them trick one another into thinking that they're in this real loving relationship, but there's never actually any love that happens between them. There's a lot of rescuing back mm-hmm. and forth. Um, which, which is like, like, so it's sort of that thing of like, like relationships that are formed in traumatic situations tend to not last. Right. Um, but these two never have to confront that because the traumatic situations just keep coming. Like every week there's another one, right. (laughs) By nature. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Um, so they managed to make it all the way through the clone wars, never having to actually be together in a real way or figure out what that's going to mean. Right. And it's only once the pregnancy develops that now Anakin is forced to confront the reality of his situation, which is that this is untenable. You have to leave the Jedi order, right. In order to be with Padme, you cannot be a Jedi Mm. and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan have put it in your head that that's all that you are and all that you can be. And I, I, you know, I mean, Qui-Gon, I don't think did that intentionally. I think Qui-Gon saw potential and then didn't get to finish that training. Obi-Wan made a promise. And so Anakin becomes that thing to him of like, you have to be a Jedi. You have to be the best Jedi. Otherwise, what did Qui-Gon die for? And why am I sacrificing my journey to in order to raise you a kid that I didn't want? Right? Like, damn. so, oh, dude, it's so, so Shakespearean. The whole thing, it's ridiculous. The prequels are so well written and people don't understand it. They just don't get it. But because um, this is all there. This is all in the text. Um, and then the Clone Wars just makes it better. The Clone Wars just reinforces everything and makes things like even even more clear, um, more and sharper focus. But ultimately, that relationship I maintain is actually like like you want to talk about a toxic relationship. The relationship between Anakin and Padme is it is bad for both of them. And it ultimately ends with Padme's death. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree. And and Anakin's <laughs> as well from a, in a in a figurative way. Right. Like it, mm-hmm. it creates their. Poor decision making creates Darth Vader. She is as much responsible for Vader as he is. Um, it's really, it's a, it's a three person job. Mm. Um, cause Obi-Wan is also in the mix there. Palpatine is actually, I think responsible for very little Palpatine opens the door, but Obi-Wan and Padme are the ones who push Anakin through it. So 
I mean, it's all just Othello, right? Like, it's literally yeah. Palpatine's Iago, kind of. Yeah. It, Cassius the, is Obi-Wan. And, uh... When they dropped the idea that there would be, like, a, a, like a love triangle between oh, the three of them. I was so them, into it. I was so it, into it. I think that was the biggest mistake of the prequels. Yeah. I, I don't think that Obi-Wan should have been into Padme, but I think that right. if Padme was into Obi-Wan and like Anakin was the closest that she could get, that would have done oh, so much for the story and made everybody go, that's what's going on there. That's why he becomes <laughs> Darth Vader. Yeah. That's why he turns uh, against Obi-Wan. That's where that the angst is. Awesome. So instead we get the moment of like, you've, you've done this, you've turned her against me, which still works for me. It still is, is valid, but it is very much like, like it's the, that's the dark side. Now that's Palpatine having manipulated him. But if it had actually been there, like if there had been truth to it of like, and Obi-Wan's like, I didn't do anything. I'm not responsible for how she feels. And I'm not responsible for you being jealous of that. Okay, I'm just me over here doing my thing, doing my best to save this galaxy from the doom that you've just, just you know, I committed it to, right? Like, I think that would have been so much more powerful than just you've done that yourself, you know? <laughs> but kind of a um, weird little scene where Anakin's playing a PSP and he's like, I smell Obi-Wan's aftershave. Was he here? Like, yeah, he yeah. just came by. He was, he was checking up on you. And then yeah. all of a sudden, so, you like, you're against me. it's there the remnants of it are there and i think that that's almost like the 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 biggest shame of all of it is that it's like oh guys it's there but then yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't follow through in the novel no right i don't think so i mean obviously not as as uh leaned into as you were suggesting because yeah. I agree, it would have worked that way. But I feel like there were like little his his jealousy was, but yeah. it was like it was him being like confused about everything, right? So okay. getting his inner monologue in the Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith novelization gave us more insight into that. So it wasn't just the one line of dialogue, but instead yeah. it was him like being jealous of a lot of things with Obi-Wan because he's also like jealous of Obi-Wan's ability and Obi-Wan's position mm-hmm. in the on the council and like there's more to it than just Padme, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, in the novelization, but yeah, but but there's nothing on the Padme side in, in anything that that all got dropped. But I feel like that if if you started Attack of the Clones with Padme being like, "Oh, Anakin, you've grown so much. You're, you've gotten so big," and then her turning to Obi Wan and being like, "Hi, Obi Wan," <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, can you imagine if she was like, "Hi, Ben." <laughs> Oh, right that. and that's where the nickname came from instead of it coming from satine that it came yeah. from padme and that anakin's like his name's obi-wan you call him master kenobi <laughs> right like <laughs> and like there being like tension between the two of them uh, oh it could have been so good it could have been so good but they got yeah. scared they got scared they didn't want to make obi-wan into that kind of a character and they didn't want to undermine padme i think mm. um all right but, well where where are we putting these idiots I think that they are under Obi-Wan and Satine. That's that's my that's my they are still a great couple. I still love them together. I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> I mean, I I'm I they're they're below Kyle and Jan for me, but it's are they? it's okay. It's okay. No, I'm gonna yeah, give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. All right. Because okay. unlike uh Anakin and Padme, Kyle doesn't try to kill 
Jan. Unless you choose the dark side ending. But he <laughs> yeah. didn't. Canon ending. That's not, that's not the canon ending, yeah. Because there's a game after that. Yeah. She's still alive. Uh, and he's on the light alive. side. Okay. Well, so these are our rankings then. We didn't we didn't wake up this morning planning to rank these relationships, <laughs> but we have. And here they are. So at number 14, Aiden Versio and Del Miko. 13, Din, Jaren, and Bo Katan. At number 12, Ray and Ben, which breaks my heart, but it is what it is. Um, at number 11, Luke and Mara Jade. At number 10, Finn and Rose. At number 9, Anakin and Padme. At number 8, Kyle Katarn and Jan Ors. Number 7, Han and Kira. Number 6, Obi-Wan and Satine. Number 5, Finn and Poe. I like our top 5. Our top 5 looks great. Number 4, Asajj and Quinlan. Number three, Cal and Marin. Number two, Han and Leia. And at number one, the only healthy relationship in all of Star Wars, <laughs> unless you count R2-D2 and C-3PO, uh, Kanan and Hera. Woo! I guess Flix and Orca we could have put on this list as well from Resistance, but you haven't seen Resistance. So. I, I have not. Yeah, they're, 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 they are together. They are together. All right, um, without going into everything, Starkiller yeah. and Juno Eclipse, where would you throw them? Hmm. Oh, like so low on this list, dude. Under Aiden <laughs> and Dell. Under Aiden and Dell. They're 15. Really? They're oh, man. They're, they're, yeah. they're above them for me, but maybe I'd maybe give you Din and Bo. Um, yeah, Juno is just such a not character, non-character. Like she just like she's just there. She's just a girl in an imperial outfit. And, and... In, oh, I can't I can't remember who it was. I always think of this phrase. Um the the actress who turned down the role of Gozer. Um no, not Gozer. Maybe it was Gozer. No, I think it was Gozer. The actress who turned down the role of Gozer did so because she said the women in this movie are only there to be had. <laughs> I think about that phrase all the time. I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah. A lot of movies do that. But yeah, Juno was there just to be had. You're right. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, that's it. We did it. We we ranked all of the relationships. No one asked us to, but we did it anyways. And I I now you all have to live with it. And <laughs> um like all of our rankings, this is official. And it it's unquestionable. Right. Um, not, not and and so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, uh, comport yourselves accordingly, I guess. That's what I have to say about that. I, I, here's the biggest thing that I think that we can take away from this. Star Wars needs some healthier relationships. It definitely needs parents that don't die. Um, and I, I, it is a, it, there, there's a lot of knowledge to be gleaned from these stories about how not to be with someone. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty unhealthy on the whole, but but Kanan and Hera make up for all of it as far as I'm concerned. They're so wholesome. They're so wonderful. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go now and I'm just going to think about that. How about you? Yeah, it's fine with me. Yeah, OK. <laughs> I mean, Kanan and Hera, man. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Obviously, I, I, we're, we're in the, I don't know if it's obvious, I guess. It's obvious to me. If you've been paying attention, I should say, we are in the middle of our pledge drive, uh, or actually at the tail end of it, I suppose, when this episode goes out. But I, if, if, if you are listening to this, 
on March 1st. Technically, it has ended, but there's still time. There's still time to jump over to patreon.com slash thunderquack. Um, all of the bonuses, everything that we did in the month of February is available to everyone, like in perpetuity. It's not going anywhere after February. It was just sort of like, a, hey, let's let's do release all of this stuff all at once um, and just get all of this awesome new content out there. So there are bonus episodes for all of the podcasts. I, I, and I, you know what, we still, we have, there's a bonus po- episode for force perspectives, but it, we still don't know what it is. Um, cause it's still a secret. So I, I, as of right now, it's still a secret even to us. Um, but it does exist. It is there and it's really good. So you guys should go listen to it, um, on patreon.com slash thunderquack. But along with that, I mean, like I just, I just posted as of this recording yesterday, I posted the episode car and I talking about young Jedi adventures and it was really fun. It's a really great conversation. It was a beast to edit, but it was a great conversation. Um, I, so yeah, you can get that exclusively on Patreon. You can get perfect 10 star Wars as well as the pop quiz that goes along with that. Um, uh, and th- it is all exclusively available on Patreon. The other thing is that you can get access to this early. You would be listening to this in February if you were a Patreon supporter. So, uh, you'd have it like a full week early. Um, so if that means anything to you, then head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and support us. But most importantly, like if you just if you like the podcast that we do and you like the content that we're that we're producing, then that is the best way to support us. And you get a bunch of bonus stuff along with it. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you to everybody who has jumped on and, and to our new pledges and everything. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a good, it's been a good month. I, 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 but you know, like I said, there's still time, there's still time to jump on there and, uh, and support us no matter when you're listening to us, there's still time to support thunder quack and all of the stuff that we're doing. Don't forget to listen to Joe and I on the thunder quack podcast as well. I, I, we, we ranked the Pokemon in our bonus episode for that. That was so a that's fun a, one. It's, it's really, really it's one. really good. Listen, Everything that I've done this month has been really, really good. The episode of Perfect Ten that I that I uh, just posted to Patreon last night is one of my favorites that we've done. That's it's just a regular Ooh. episode, so it'll be on the regular feed. But for Ten Things I Hate About You with Ty, I it's such a good episode. February has been a really good month. We've got really good stuff planned for the next little while as well, um, sort of in the near future. Um, and we got Bad Batch coming back, guys. Go listen to Rebel Cells. It's out. If you're listening to the, actually, no matter what, when you're listening to this, Rebel Cells, the season premiere episode for Bad Batch is out now. So go listen hey. um, and and be watching Bad Batch. So yeah, Joe and Kyle and I are having a great time over there as well. Um, yeah, it's just good stuff all around Thunderquack at the moment and uh, and lots of cool stuff planned for the future. So make sure that you're following and 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 uh, part of the community. Join us on Discord, Discord uh, thunderquack.com slash Discord. Uh, we'll take you to the invite and then you can join our server and uh, and get in on the conversations over there. We have such an awesome community. It's been really great. The, February has been really, really good. Even if the numbers aren't like super high and, you know, I, I would love for us to be making a bajillion dollars every month. Um, it's just another reminder of how awesome our community is and and how awesome the people in it are um, and how lucky we are that we don't have a bunch of, you know, those types of people from the Internet hanging out with us. But uh, that's it. That's it for this episode. Joe and I will be back in, you know, like a month, uh, in about four weeks for another episode of Force Perspectives. 
Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.